That Force Radio. That Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wint. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Listen up, guys. Here at the Bat Force, you know we don't bullshit you. And to our listeners, we got you hooked up. That's why we've teamed up with Hexbrand. You can get 20% off right now using the code BATFORCE20. Look, Hex draws on decades of experience in fashion, music, and art, which is applied to cutting-edge, urban chic bags for either your camera gear, sneakers, and in our case, comic book collecting. Hex teamed up with the legendary comic book artist Jim Lee, to design the quintessential comic book collecting backpack, a tool that we consider on a Bat Force level of collecting. You can get the black and yellow version with Jim Lee's iconic Batman artwork on the front of the bag, or the all black version. Hex even offers a portfolio bag for prints and commissions. The Hex Jim Lee Collector's Backpack, which also is labeled as Dawn of the Bat, comes with custom fleece line dividers that can accommodate CGC slab books, as well as raw comics, trade paperbacks, hardcovers, deluxe editions, absolute editions, and even action figure clamshells. It has a hidden anti-death zipper clasp so people don't steal your shit. It has side water bottle pockets, which also function as holders for print tubes, custom molded Batman zipper pulls, a laptop compartment, exterior sunglass, phone, and or face mask pocket, durable water-resistant nylon shell so your comics and collectibles don't get fucked up, padded mesh for the comfort of your back, and an organizer for your art supplies, whether you're an artist or getting signatures and commissioned art. Go to hexbrand.com, H-E-X brand.com, and use our promotional code BATFORCE20 to get 20% off this bag and it comes with free shipping. Hex even offers the option of payment plans. You can click the link on our social media as well to shop directly for the discount. Listen Gotham, in these times, your local comic shops need you to bring this epic piece of gear in and fill it up with comics and collectibles. It will also ensure your readiness for the much anticipated return of comic book conventions. Act now and secure yours because there were a limited number of these bags made and each one actually comes with a specific edition number. The code is BATFORCE20, that is 20% off, free shipping, payment plans available. Tell them the BATFORCE sent you. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the Batman and DC podcast with no limits. We're going to get right into this week's roundtable because, well, it's it is a big roundtable. It is just big and round. It's a <laughs> thick roundtable. Huge. We've got Bat Force Tom in California. What's up, guys? Grandpa Batman in Texas. Howdy. The Grumpler in New York. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> uh, the Trunkler in Chicago. What's going on? Jesus in New York. Believe us. And Dope Dave also in New York. And I'm Robin Cross in Canada. So, uh, both of this week's guests are creators of this week's Catwoman issue 23, along with artist Kian Tormi, who you heard on the show here uh, just a couple months ago. Uh, up first is an author of Everglade Angels, Heavy Metal, Vampirella, and Fathom. Joining us for the first time, she is Blake Northcott. 
Hi, guys. Hey. <laughs> yeah. And unless you've been living under a rock and your rock does not have Wi-Fi or Twitter, then you are already familiar with tonight's other guest returning to the show. He is Sean Murphy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for being here, guys. Uh, Sean, uh, once again, and Blake for the first time. Uh, how's everything been? Uh, you guys are surviving through this uh, same life situation we all are. How's everything going? Yep. Uh, I'm in Toronto, so just surviving here, hunkered down in my house, uh, you know, house. writing every day, but I have two <laughs> kids, so trying to manage them is quite interesting, but uh, everyone is healthy, so that's good, and yeah, just uh, getting back to work. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing all right, too. I luckily started a uh, uh, Indiegogo uh, right at the correct time when the industry shut down, so... <laughs> Uh, it ended up being a smart move that I wish I could say was part of my long-term plan, but it just it just worked out in my favor. So we'll see. I'm hoping the industry can get back up on its feet sooner than later and get back to shows because I miss uh, seeing you guys when I saw you. I, I miss seeing Blake. Yeah, cons. I hope we get to do them soon. They're so much yeah. fun. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm so looking forward. You were scheduled for Dallas, and and man, I was ready to take you out for some <clears throat> beer and barbecue. So I would have taken you out, man. That. No, I'm pretty sure I owe you all you guys drinks, Blake included. So uh, yeah. I owe you guys are yeah. Thanks, Blake. <laughs> you, you, guys, you guys were both you guys were both going to be in Toronto as well. So yep. oh, that's right. Yes. That was next month, right? It's supposed to be next month. Stupid yeah, end of the world. Our, the fan expo in Toronto was so much fun, and I was really looking forward to Sean and his awesome wife Colleen coming up because last yep. year they invited me down to New York Comic Con. We had a great time hanging out, so I was like, I want to show you guys Toronto. We're gonna do it up and have a great time, but everything <sighs> kind of bit the dust. Here. Someone yeah. eat a bat. Had to eat a bat. I know. <clears throat> Thanks, Obama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, well, at least Sean was able to come to uh, the important convention at C2E2 this year. So. Yeah, honestly, C2E2 <laughs> was the last hurrah. I uh, I remember thinking, like, should I go out and have another? Nah, I'm going to be cool. And in hindsight, I wish I had gone out and gotten fucked up and gone to strip clubs <laughs> and done whatever the hell you're supposed to do when you go crazy. Well, well Sean, next time you're up here, I, just like last time when not with, uh, I have a couple of drinks, I'll yep. do it some clubs. There you go. Oh, yep. Sean's never going to be seen again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. an apple teeny or two. Yeah. We, we, we call him the trunkler, and uh, you're going to find the drug. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, I just realized, I think this is the first time we've ever had a billionaire on the show with us. Blake, it's amazing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. We're a billionaire. That's right. How, how funny is that? That Blake is a billionaire. That's so nice. I, I wonder how you did that, Blake. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a quite a feat. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I uh, somebody sent that to me, and they were like, "Did you know you're worth this much money?" And I was like, "Geez, <laughs> am I? Like, holy crap!" But it changes daily. So <laughs> don't tell my kids, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason I was being nice to Blake. Or I wanted to use her billions to fund my own my own book. There you oh. go. That would be yeah. I would start my own company there for sure. <laughs> well, let, let's start with that talk, you uh, uh, starting a company. Uh, let's talk about your beginnings uh, yeah. in, in, in writing, in you know everything. Because you were writing uh, in magazines from a really young age. You've written novels. Uh, you, you've, you've been doing a lot, uh, aside from, from comics. Uh, what, was your, what made you want to, to get into writing? Uh, it was very young. And what led to 
being successful there? Uh, okay, loaded question. Let me think here. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> when I was growing up, I always had a love of books and literature. So I was always reading, you know, I was always a girl with my nose in a book. Um, I wrote some poetry when I was growing up that got published. So that was really cool for me in Seventeen Magazine and kind of planted that seed of, wow, like you can be a writer and have things um, published and that could be a career option. So I went through school. Uh, I have a university degree. So I went to McMaster University here in Canada and I have a BA in English literature. And uh, right out of school, I uh, decided to go into insurance because why not? <laughs> so I actually worked in insurance for like 12 years before I ended to start my professional career writing. Um, but like how I met Sean and everything was back in around 2012. I had done a series of books called The Arena Mode Saga. And I ended up uh, getting in touch with Mark Miller online. And he had said, you know, I really liked your book. And I think you have a lot of potential. Would you be interested in doing some editorial work for me in the back of my comics? And, you know, I've been a longtime comic fan. So I was jumping at the chance. I was like, yes, of course. Um, so that ended up being a really fun way to get kind of like, uh, started in, in the comic writing. Um, and that was when I met Sean actually, cause he was working on Chrononauts with Mark Miller. So we ended up having to kind of go back and forth a little bit. Um, just chatting, you know, about, I was uh, curating the fan art section. So, mm, yeah. uh, you know, he was giving me some really great feedback, uh, and we yeah. had a couple of really hilarious back and forth that I still yeah. remember. I remember thinking... jo joking around about male thigh gap. Yes. And, uh, I remember <laughs> uh, emailing you and I'm like, I just, I have a sense that this, this girl can take a joke. So I started, I sent her this picture, of these guys going into this like uh, time warp thing. And I happened to draw it from behind. So you get a great shot of this guy's <laughs> ass and he has perfect like <laughs> J. Scott Campbell thigh gap. Uh, that I happened to draw, and I'm like, I don't know, maybe women appreciate thigh gap just as much as men do. Right. So I took a chance and made a joke, and luckily it went over well. Blake laughed, and uh, that's that's began our friendship, I guess. <laughs> did, yeah. Did that embolden you to uh, then send her your reference photo that you used? <laughs> for, for this? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, gosh. So, yeah. Anyway, we've had some really fun, like, back and forth. And I've kept in touch with him, you know, over the years. And his, you know, he's such a talented artist. And, uh, you know, I I was always impressed with how funny he is. And, you know, his uh, wife is an, an amazing writer, too. So we finally actually met last year in person, which is crazy that we've known each other for so long, but didn't yeah. meet until uh, New York Comic Con. Yeah. So, yeah. So I've done a lot of novel writing, which... Um, kind of led through my career and then got me into comics. I remember because uh, my wife, Colleen, was uh, she's not too active on social media. But she's like, who's who's Blake Northcott? I'm like, oh, yeah, she's kind of a, an e-friend. She, and she's like, she like favorites everything I, I say. And she's super nice. And I was like, oh, yeah, that totally is. And uh, she's like, you should hang out with her. I'm like, OK, great. And <laughs> yeah. so I, I don't know how we ended up connecting. Uh, I think we. Uh, we connected over some Twitter drama that we were both flabbergasted by. No. And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twitter drama, you say? That never right. happens. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I am I'm happy to help anybody in, in, to get into comics. And um, if it's a friend, it's someone I like even better. I'm very friendship loyal. And if I can help men, women, I don't care. So, you know, I, Blake was going, she wanted to go to New York. She's like, you got to go to New York. Come on, come on, come on, let's go. 
So I was like, okay, let's do it. And my wife isn't one to like go out uh, for late nights and stuff. So uh, Blake became my my wing woman, and she came with me to the, the the green room, and I introduced her and showed her around and met her all met her up to all my friends and all that stuff, and you know did anything I could to to help her out. And uh, we hooked up with uh, Ben Abernathy, who's another friend. Um, it's funny because there's very few people in comics I would really call friends who are really outstanding, loyal, good, hardworking people. And Ben is absolutely one of them. So I definitely wanted to have her meet Ben Abernathy. And luckily, uh, they, they connected on this back, oh, sorry, this uh, Catwoman project. Yeah. It all just kind of happened really quickly too, actually. Uh, but it was so nice to be able to, you know, go to, I've never been to New York Comic Con before. So to be there and see it kind of like through your eyes, like getting to experience everything and, and you know, <laughs> meeting all these, you know, in my mind, I'm like this huge dork running up to like people like, you know, Scott Snyder and, you mm-hmm. know, Greg Capullo. And I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe I'm standing here talking to these people. So it was pretty fun. Yeah, and to me, these people are old hat. I'm like, that guy? Oh, he's really an asshole. Don't worry about him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Dave Johnson? Yeah, fuck Dave Johnson. Blah, blah, blah. So uh, it was fun. <laughs> she got the behind-the-curtains uh, view. But uh, actually, I think you did a drink and draw or something with some of my friends before, and I, I wasn't aware. Yeah. But you were kind of already in the club. Like, you didn't really need me. Yeah, no, I knew. I've known a couple of people. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, But it was really fun to go anyway. Yeah. We had a great time. So how did the Catwoman project uh, come about? How did you guys come to to working on not like not the White Knight universe, but just the the mainline Catwoman? How did this come about? Um, well, when we were there, uh, we ended up sitting down with <laughs> Dan Didio, I think, wasn't it, Dan, in the uh, the green room? Yeah, Blake, good Dan. to see you. How you doing? How you doing, Blake? Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. I love the story how already. How often <laughs> do you get to do that? You you mastered that impression, and now that he's gone, and I hope he comes back because I like Dan, but you don't get to do that impression very much anymore, do you? No, it's kind of sad, you know. I haven't been around too much, and it's uh, not really coming around as much as I'd like to. Well, I'm I'm waiting for for Dan to uh, accept my invitation to come on the show because that would just be too much fun having a, a Dan off. <laughs> Who me? No, Imagine you, Dan and Todd at one time. Shit. I remember Blake talking to Dan or Ben about Vampirella, and they were like, oh, shit, that book sells. Blake kind of just took it from there, I think. Right, Blake? Yeah, I mean, I was telling them. They were kind of asking, oh, what have you worked on? So I was just giving them my resume a little bit and uh, talking about the kind of characters I really enjoyed writing. And, you know, I loved, uh, you know, that everything that was going on right you know, in Sean's world, obviously, with his uh, p- potential Murphy verse, we weren't sure, you know, if he was going to do that at the time. But uh, he had mentioned, yeah, you know, I'm going to um, I think that it was maybe it was Ben that said, yeah, well, we're thinking about doing something with Catwoman. Would you be interested? And I was like, are you kidding me? Yes. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so when I got back from New York, he emailed me and was like, you know, this I think you'd be a great fit for this book. And we're thinking of, you know, Sean doing the cover. Would you be able to fit this in? And I was like, of course. So there's like your dream job kind of dropped in your lap, basically. <laughs> and uh, I was so thrilled. Like I, if I could have done a back, backflip down the hallway, I would have been doing that. So <laughs> <laughs> Was uh, was Catwoman always like a, a bucket list character for you, Blake? Uh, I think so, because if I think of my favorite, like, kind of DC characters that are women, I would say it's Poison Ivy, for sure, and Catwoman. And they're both mm. these kind of, like, very sexy, uh, you know, women, but they also have a real edge to them. They're mm. very, uh, they can be, like, a hero or villain. And I love that dichotomy of 
their personalities. You know, their characters are so complex. Yeah. Actually, I did a cover for uh, Harley that uh, my wife is writing, which was uh, accidentally announced a few weeks ago. And that's not what we're here to talk about. But I did a, a, a cover with Neo Joker and uh, Ivy on it. So it's kind of like a Harley Ivy thing. Right. And I'm not good at like TNA type stuff. Like I don't draw. I'm not that artist. And I, I dig that art. I got nothing against it. I love Adam Hughes' stuff. But I just, I don't know. I always feel like I'm getting going to get in trouble. <laughs> so I remember texting Blake photo like, is this, am I going to yell that? Is this okay? You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, can you give me the green light so I don't feel like one of those creeps? <laughs> no, I thought it was awesome. And I was like, this is great. But I think, uh, you know, the way that she's hanging, because she's hanging upside down, I was like, her boobs would be lower and she'd be like more this way. And I was trying to like tell him, give him like yeah. an lesson like upside down would be like this but yeah anyway. i wanted to lower the boobs of gravity but i didn't want to get in trouble and i needed a lady to give me the green light so i'm like okay good it's, it's not sean's fault that he's accustomed to drawing his cars sexier than his women <laughs> no. yeah I, I jerk off more to car porn let's be honest uh, but yeah i guess joelle jones who's a friend of mine actually blake and i went out with her and her oh, yeah. husband boyfriend i forget uh, her partner and uh, we all went out to a pub and uh, Joelle was wrapping up her Catwoman and she had done so much great work and you know the romance and the wedding dress and all that stuff and she was sort of tapping I don't remember why she was leaving and then coronavirus hit and as far as I know there hasn't been much on Catwoman since until now so Blake is kind of taking over for just two issues I'm hoping she spikes the numbers like crazy and they get her to come back for some other stuff because I'd love to see her uh, Ivy take oh that'd be amazing oh yeah and uh, what uh, what I'm sure a lot of us are hoping, I, I know I've been uh, hoping for this and I'm not going to be alone, that hopefully uh, after this we see Blake also working on some White Knight verse. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, I'm pushing all my friends to get on White Knight because I'm, I'm not like a, I'm not Scott Snyder and that I'm not a good coordinator. I'm not going to build spreadsheets and build worlds and stuff like I, if I can hire my friends to do a good job on a thing. Great. You know. Um, so, you know, I reached out to Blake to see, like, do you have any interest in Neo Joker or Ivy? And I don't even know. I mean, I wish I could snap my fingers and create White Knight books for anybody, but it's turning out harder than I thought. Uh, so far, I've only gotten one uh, done, and I had to sucker my wife into writing it. Mm -hmm. So um, I think hmm. the plan is to see how that sells, and then they'll see if there's more to a White Knight universe. Like, I think it's viable. I think it has legs. But, uh, you know, with coronavirus, too, I know that people in the office are afraid of taking risks. No one wants to get in trouble or get fired or be responsible for a bad uh, line or imprint going out. So I, I have a feeling that uh, the Harley stuff will do well, and then maybe I can expand even more, and hopefully I can bring Blake in on some more stuff. But, you know, here's hoping. Well, hopefully they'll uh, hopefully they'll remember how the you know initial uh, risk, if you even want to consider that, of <laughs> yeah. uh, of putting the the first White Knight series out, how much that paid off because that that was massive. You would think, but they have a very short memory, man. These yeah. these people think in terms of quarterly numbers, so they don't yeah. think long term, and it's not their fault. They, I know they're all doing the best they can, but uh, it's an uphill battle sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was just uh, Blake. So, were yeah, you a What's your preferred Catwoman, Blake? Do you prefer the Michelle Pfeiffer leather one, or what do you what do you prefer? Yeah, I think we've already had this conversation. Yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer was my first introduction to, nice. like, what I envision Catwoman. That's what mm -hmm. it is. She's just, uh, you know, so sexy, and I loved her take on it. And yeah, you Michelle just Pfeiffer. posted a picture of, of 
of that version today or something. Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah I, I, I thought, for a minute, I thought you were doing something. I was like, what the fuck's going on? What's she doing? <laughs> oh, she's just, she's just posting fan art. I was like, fuck. Okay. Uh. I'm just in a Catwoman frame of mind this month because there's so much great fan art and there's so many incredible artists that have you know, drawn her or painted her or whatever. And I just want to, I'm really just getting hyped for the book to come out. So yeah, I'm just sharing mm. all that, that love. Yeah. We and were, uh, speaking, oh, I was, sorry, ahead. I was going to give a shout out to Key and the artist, just because oh. I'm, I'm glad you guys had him on. I didn't know that. Such a cool guy. Yeah. Such a cool guy. Yeah, and any any Irish person, he speaks like a flute. It's crazy the way they go on about themselves. It's it's so funny when I hear his interviews. He's such a sweet guy. <laughs> oh, he's so amazing. <laughs> and he used to be an art director with a real job, with a 401k and a health plan or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I don't know why. Yeah, why that? I can like, what the fuck are you doing taking Catwoman? But all right, we'll have you. You're awesome. <laughs> He left that career behind to come to comics and get yelled at by Klaus Janssen. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, that's what he said. <laughs> yeah, Klaus, uh, Klaus yelled at him for not, uh, no, for not having enough uh, black in his pages. Oy. Klaus is a friend. I'm sure he meant well. He gets yeah. crabby like any of us. Uh, yeah. I know that if I was with both of them in a bar, I know that I, I could get them to get along. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, having I, Klaus I yell at you talk. has got to be intimidating. Yeah, I'm sure. And I wanted to talk about Kian too because uh, you brought up the different iterations of Catwoman and something that you guys have done in your now beginning Catwoman arc is bringing back the animated series Catwoman costume. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I, I actually wanted to do whatever Blake wanted and I can't remember what happened. I think we I was trying to get um, Kian to, or somebody to like decide on which suit they wanted. I was trying to ask the editor which suit we could use. Can we use the animated series? Do we have to use the one that's canon? And I don't think the editor got back to me and the edit, the, the uh, cover was due. So I'm just, I made the call. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go with the uh, TAS. I hope Blake is okay with this, you know, and uh, I, oh, I, I loved hope. it. Okay, good. <laughs> oh my and gosh. I, knowing that you like the uh, Michelle Pfeiffer one, I wish I had done that one instead. But I remember being pressed up against the deadline. And I'm like, well, I haven't seen the gray one for a while. So here we go. <laughs> yeah. No, it looks fantastic. I love your cover. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah, it was fun. And I, I'm not, again, I, I had to draw her uh, bustier than I normally draw. I usually draw women like with A or B cups because I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> I drew her <laughs> more. It's not, uh, the, not the 90s anymore. I know. Well, I know the kind of. <laughs> The stuff that Blake tends to gravitate towards and write is so I was like, oh, I want to fit Blake's um, branding. So I, I made her bustier. And then I got a note back from the editor to tone it down a little bit. And that's the only time <laughs> that DC has ever told me to tone down the the, the, the boobage, the cleavage. Sean, <laughs> Blake, Blake please step in at any moment here and get my foot out of my mouth, please. <laughs> no, I think it's I, I understand what you're saying, but I think it's more to do with that. Um, the outfit she's wearing. Mm. It was something to do with like the way the angle or something and they said um that i think they said yeah it had to be altered because of the angle she was at and the, the outfit but i don't i don't remember it being just about that um, i remember what it was but i don't know if i can say it fuck it so her areola was, was pushing out <laughs> it, was, it was too anatomically correct and uh, i was like okay but if, if you're censoring this aren't you censoring the natural beauty of women's bodies but i'm a straight oh. white guy i'm not allowed to say that so i shut the fuck up it was a little little too gym balanced mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm not gonna push back i mean the point of the book was to help blake and i'm not gonna start you know raking people and just give her a bad reputation because she's a friend of mine so i tried to play it as easy as i could 
<sighs> so can you give us a little a uh, little bit about the premise of the story or is it don't spoil it but kind of lead us into what we should expect in this in this week's upcoming Catwoman okay what? so we should talk about our wonderful kind of brainstorming sessions on this because they were one of the highlights of getting this book off the ground to me were like our <laughs> hilarious kind of visions we had for it because Sean is so the thing I loved about working with him is he has so much energy so much um, passion you know for the, the crazy ideas and being creative <laughs> he was just a really fun working partner to collaborate with that way so we were both thinking that we really had to have this uh, book set in a jungle setting now I don't know how much I'm allowed to say about it how much can we like I'd say mention well, the jungle this, mention this, the villain this, uh, this episode is probably going to come out the day the issue comes out. So it, it, think, it's all up yeah. to you how much you can talk about. I think you're good. Uh, we can just say spoiler alert from now on, if that's okay, okay. Blake. It's, yeah. you, like, it's your spoiler book, so whatever alert. you want. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so yes. we were t well, we, once we both decided, like, yes, it has to be set in the jungle, we're going to kind of, like, go back to her roots. Um, so right out of the gate, I was like, stop drilling, you know, baby, we hit oil here. This is what we're doing. Uh, this is so good, and we both had so much energy for it. Um, I think we just convinced the editors, like, yeah, this is what we have to do. Um, yeah. yeah. And the note, the note too, was uh, they didn't know where they were going to go with Bruce and Selena. Right. So they're like, do a story that acknowledges that, but doesn't really extend on that. And I'm like, okay. She goes to a jungle, and she doesn't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was kind of like a little mini adventure, I think, after. So she's been through this breakup and they wanted her to have this kind of two issue, like mini arc of what was mm -hmm. going on in the meantime in between when uh, when we were kind of writing it. Yeah. Yeah. And they so wanted a, they had an idea for a villain. They wanted like we want a, 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 a man to be the villain. Like we need the, the men are always in Selena's way or whatever. So we really want this guy. So we're like I, I went through the uh, books. I'm like, all right, let me pick out like a a character from the 70s who no one's heard of for 50 years and make him the villain. So I started going through the database and like trying to find searches for like cocaine or jungle <laughs> or diamonds or whatever, or blood diamonds, just seeing what I could find. And I uh, stumbled across this character called uh, Snowflame. Snowflame. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's literally this character that will do a bunch of coke and he'll charge up at the superpowers and white flames will burst from his body and as far as i know he has not been used since the 70s and i was one of those characters who were like this can't be a dc character they're gonna tell mm -hmm. me no why would the hell they let me you know i don't know what the drug policy is at dc but fuck it let's right. just do it so I, I told blake and she's like all right great so we put it to dc and they didn't tell us no so we're going to bring back Snowflame for all of you people who've been waiting for it no <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So Blake, this is two issues. Uh, yes, uh, two. Uh, and and afterwards, you're gonna write Catwoman in the Murphyverse. Is, is that what you said earlier? That's exactly. Uh, that's exactly what you said. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> we're that's right, we are we're, we're we're lighting it right now. I don't know. <laughs> I would love to, but uh, yeah, right now it's two issues well, we and. Snowflame, oh my gosh, how much fun. I have to give Sean like full credit for Snowflame because we were brainstorming and he came up with this crazy character and I was like, well maybe if Sean like floats into them, they'll take like <laughs> this wacky character and let us like write him as a villain. I don't know. Yeah. Let's so... let Sean get fired. He he's got the numbers <laughs> for it. <laughs> no. But uh 
He was like, mean, so much fun to write, though. Oh, well, my God. I was happy to do, like, whatever Blake wanted. Like, I honestly, I set out, like, let's make this as fun and easy for Blake. Like, I don't want to weigh in. I want to weigh in as little as I possibly have to. So if they, the idea was, well, I, I guess I'll help. Blake and I will come up with a story idea together, and she'll just write the script and do all the hard work, and I'll just sit back and do the easy work, which is what happened. So um, once we had Snowflame, Jungle, uh, Blood Diamond type thing, I think that's kind of when it started taking shape. Blake, is that yep. correct? Yeah, that seems about right. Uh, how did you guys end up uh, connecting with Kian uh, to to come on do the art? That was all Sean. Yeah, I reached out to friends to see who was available. Um, and Kian was a guy who's been a friend of mine for a while. Uh, he's Irish, so I, I think I've seen him a handful of times when I've been visiting Ireland. And super nice, super sweet guy. Um, actually, you know what? I remember uh, being at New York Comic Con once and having an anxiety attack while I was sitting down. And my assistant is great, but he is like, he does not understand anxiety attacks at all. And Kean was there and he's like, dude, I've had these. I got gotcha, you. Don't worry. So I was like, thank you so much. You know, so I'm like getting my shit together and Kean manned my table. And I never forgot that he was there for me in my, my weakest moment. Uh, so uh, I'm, I don't think I owe him. I mean, he happens to be a great artist on top of that. So for me, when I saw his new stuff, it was like, you know, no problem. So I went to DC and asked him, and uh, they had actually, the editor had already worked with him on Batgirl, I think, some other stuff. Is that right, Blake? Yeah, yeah. I think he did Batgirl, so. Yeah. Yeah. He's already in the system. He was available. He was excited. Uh, his stuff was great. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of worked out. Three. I mean, I don't think you guys have met yet. Have you, Blake? You and Kean? I haven't met him. No, not in person. We've just texted back and forth, but he has a great energy. He's been so excited and just, mm. I've been so impressed with the level of detail and attention that he took like from the script and managed to capture on the pages. Cause the, yeah. you know, the panels literally jump off the page at you. It's just so impressive. Yeah. And I had a great time going back and forth with him. Yeah. Um, he's so funny too. <laughs> I remember because drawing jungles isn't necessarily something that all artists are good at. You think it would be organic and easy, but that can throw off a lot of artists. So I'm like, so I wrote him like, how are I love your pages. I think your tech is great. Your backgrounds. How do you feel about like jungle foliage? Is that something that you're interested in? And he's <laughs> like, whatever gets me hired. So I'm like, great. Cause you're going to draw a whole bunch of fucking jungles. Uh, and then Blake wrote a uh, South American fort that uh, has been converted into a palace. So the, he did all this crazy rendering on the inside of the palaces, like the detail he has up on the trim of hallways and like oh, arches. Yeah. It's just nuts. I'm like, man, this is amazing. Like, no one's going to look at this shit except for other artists. So I was amazed by the amount of work you put in there. So, Kian, if you're listening, thank you. Thank you. And don't forget, too, the uh, the Lamborghini Coupas <laughs> that we wrote into this was for Sean. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know much about cars, but that was the hot thing in the 80s, and I knew that he'd want to take a crack at that. So yep. uh, we did one of those, and you have to check out the license plate because he came up with that, too. So good I, call, Sean. I think Ray, Blake wrote a line. So I threw in Countach, and then Blake wrote uh, Snowflame to be, like, the 80s semi-mullet guy with yes. crazy and i think kean took it even further and gave him like crazy high tops and made him like a, with a members only type jacket type of guy and then i mean this is the problem is no one stepped in to tell us no so we kept <laughs> upping the annie so i'm like lamborghini and blake's like cocaine and kean's like 80s yeah and then blake's like he's doing lines off the dashboard of a lamborghini and i don't know when dc weighed in they're like all right everybody calm down we do have a drug policy here yeah. <laughs> 
And then we were like, you, you let us use a guy named Snowflame. We have to use cocaine at some point, don't we? <laughs> well, they, they can't stop me from doing some lines off the cupboard next Wednesday. So. <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can we quote you on that when we put together the trade? <laughs> I think that should be the dressing of the trade. Just two lines across the front. Yeah. There we go, yeah. We'll make it like Ooh, a glossy cover no, so it doesn't make, absorb the coke. I've got an idea, Sean. Make the W in Catwoman in white powder. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that uh, standards and practices would love that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll just make that and send you a pic on yeah. Twitter. Blake, uh, what I I wasn't paying attention to the last set of emails. Where did we end up on how much drug use is okay in the book? <laughs> Wait, it's already white, so you don't have to do anything. It's perfect. Well, from what I can remember, they said uh, they were going to just change one of the panels to show mm-hmm. it kind of his head is down and it's kind of happening off, like off panel. Mm-hmm. So it's not a direct sort of, um, <laughs> you know, thing that's going on there. It's, it's more implied. Yeah. One of you is holding up a W to the screen right now. And it does look like a cocaine infused W. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. had to take out the whole panel of uh, them snorting coke off each other's butts. Then I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that had to go. Yeah, well, Keen, yeah. I, he was so disappointed because that was his favorite panel, but, you know. Sucks. I mean, this isn't Wolf of Wall Street. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is a, you know, a teen book. It's, what is it, uh, 13 plus or something? So it does get a little okay. racy. It's a little, yeah. we were yeah. taking it to a little bit of a different place there, but. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, it's, we, it's we, funny we... what audience uh, comics are expected to be geared towards because I work in a comic shop and I could count the number of customers under 20 on probably one hand mm. right yeah, i think the average is 35 right now or something like that yeah well what... everyone everyone younger is busy on tiktok and animal yeah. crossing and... we just can't <laughs> read they're, they're busy on tinder getting laid like none of us did <laughs> why we're losers who got into comics <laughs> oh, does that mean there's going to be no new generation of comic creators we might be the last. I don't know. You know, I just I just learned what the word incel meant. I didn't even know what that meant oh, yeah? until the other day. I looked it up. Oh, wow. I've been using it for years as a slur, and I, I don't know. I just assumed it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to go off on a sidebar there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, when we started Catwoman, I don't think we knew the rating. We didn't know the rules, and we were just pushing it as much as we could, knowing that we would get pushed back. And eventually we did. And, you know, DC and our editor, Jessica, she she caught us and helped us tweak it and i think keen had to redo one panel and uh it all worked out so yeah we're making jokes about drugs obviously it's not a drug comic (laughs) no but that that's the only way pushing uh, and seeing how far you can push is the only way you find out what's okay and those are the when, when someone pushes and gets to the limit of where they're allowed to push to those are the books that that people end up loving because it it's, yeah. it's taking it to a different place exactly like the bat books we all love those <laughs> The bat penis? I don't think everybody heard me on that one. Yeah. Oh, I, want that's us, right. I want us all to share an uncomfortable that, laughter that, about that. that. And that, then wonder that didn't cause uh, any, you know, that didn't cause any issues. Yeah. We don't like to talk but, about that around here. That was that was weeks of weeks of meetings because of that thing. <laughs> I remember talking to Azarello about that. He's like, "Well, they told us adult," and I'm like, "You believe them?" <laughs> like even I knew that it that at best meant PG-13. Well. <laughs> They went as far as I have the 
advance edition of that that came out like a month before issue one came out that was you know just there was no text in it. it it's just lee's art yeah and that version was printed lighter than the was it lighter i i think it might have been printed light, like you it was all there and so it's not like they didn't realize what they were printing when that first issue came out yeah so they knew what was coming and decided to just put it out and then do damage control after it came out yeah, I mean, it, it was a miscommunication, I think. There was a change of regime. DiDio was on his way out. Someone else came in, and it is what it is. I hey, mean, don't pay me, guys, all right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they told all of us that this was supposed to be, Black Label was the HBO comics. It eventually got yeah. backpedaled, and that's their choice. I get it. Um, but we, we know what the rules now are, I guess. But uh, every now and then, you, you, it's our jobs as creators to push it. So if we have a cocaine-fused character, it's our job to put as much coke as we can in that Lamborghini. And it's their job to tell us to cut it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they did they did show uh, Gordon's dick in 1988. So. Yeah. They did? Mm-hmm. In Killing yeah, Joke. Yeah, in Killing Joke, yeah. Huh. Oh, shit. And it's funny. Uh, I think it was a week after issue one of damn came out there was a new issue of doomsday clock and as always right. you can see dr manhattan's little Manhattan. blue in there and, <laughs> the <right>. big apple actually <laughs> wasn't that big guys to be honest you know it's not that big but when he's literally eight stories tall it is yeah. giant do we ever ask you if they ask you to tone down any of the stuff from uh, White Knight, uh, Curse of White Knight, like with yeah. Azrael fucking killing everybody? Like, or do they let you just kind of go? So, no. Uh, quick backstory. So, I did do a Harley Joker love scene in volume one, thinking that you could do tasteful nudity. And I, I really did try to make it tasteful. And they that was not okay. So, I had to cover up some stuff. Or they used word balloons to cover some stuff up, which is fine. Redraw. Yeah. I'd have to redraw right. it. I drew it knowing this might get nixed, and it did. Yeah. And I drew N Joker more naked than Harley, uh, honestly. But anyway, so then in um, Volume 2, I had a scene where, spoilers, uh, Azrael goes into Arkham and stabs, kills about 12 different bad Slaughters. guys. And one of them is Baby Doll, who is like oh a 40-year-old. But she looks like she's six. So there's a six-year-old being stabbed in the back by like a giant... Scottish sword, and I'm like, clearly they're gonna catch this. And make me, and it got colored and lettered, and no one ever said a thing. So I guess it's okay. <laughs> Has anyone bought that yet? Bought that what? Page? That page? Uh, ooh, good question. I'm sure I'll have to ask my uh, art dealer. I forget. So yeah, yeah big fans of child murder. Has someone bought it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Whoever so, buys that so, is gonna have like an FBI yeah. tail. Might be a hard one to sell. That's the, the, lesson, the lesson. The lesson is. The lesson is a uh, small child being impaled by a sword. Okay to print. Bruce Wayne's penis in a dark room. Yeah. Come on. Right. It's inappropriate. We don't and need I heard he even gave you consent to draw himself like that way, too. <laughs> Except it was cool. He was totally I mean, he, he was asking for it. Let's just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's funny because I, I drew a page once in Hellblazer of a guy having sex with a corpse of a dog. And it was a splash page, and uh, <laughs> it was so hard to draw. It really bummed me out. It made it hard to draw the rest. Of the, like I wish I had saved that. Yeah, no shit. And uh, someone bought that page right away, and I don't want to meet that person. <laughs> Somebody from what? Jesus. So wait, I actually told this story at a panel once, and Dan DiDio leans in with Mikey's. I was, I got that hanging on my wall. 
my favorite piece of art that I own. Like, you drew the shit out of that dog. What am I going to do? Not going to buy it? <laughs> so, Blake, uh, do you get any of the original art from these Catwoman issues? Uh, I I don't know. I think, actually, Kian said he might send me one. Um, nice. That would be really cool. Rad. Do you uh, own any original art, Blake? Do you collect any stuff, anything like that? Um, I have a couple. I have a piece from when I did my first uh, book f- uh, for Arena Mode that I had commissioned from Steve McNiven. So I have that. And I do have a couple of things. Not not too much. Uh, I yeah. don't. Um, like, I have you... to say that um, I, I liked Executive Assistant with... Uh, oh, Executive Assistant. Yeah. Iris, right. Iris, yeah. And that's, I, w- I was reading that thinking, if this is where she's taking Catwoman, you know, because she's a strong, you know, female, basically an alpha female that can hold her own in, in, in a fight. I was like, I think, you know, she's got the chops here to write Catwoman the way that Catwoman needs to be written. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that was a great book uh, for Aspen Comics. And that character is definitely like a kick-ass uh, assassin. And I find that I, I guess I'm drawn to these um, sort of stories. I almost, I love doing these type of stories that are almost, they're almost Elseworlds or what if books yeah. where I have more creative freedom to kind of take these characters in different directions, uh, which I really love the same thing with Catwoman here, you know, cause in this book, because she's a little bit more, it's like the 13 plus and everything. I got to have a lot of fun with it mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's definitely a kick-ass story for sure. Mm. Nice. Is there any other like DC character that you're dying to write, Blake? Mm. Oh my goodness. Good question. Oh, so you, said, yes. you said Ivy before, but uh, any like I'm assuming you'd love to write Batman at some point or whatever. Uh, I mean, yeah, every every girl's dream is to write Batman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I mean, yeah, I love I love characters that are very um, like have a lot of complexity to them. And I, I mean, I have some really cool ideas actually for a booster gold. I think that could be really fun. Uh, Kind of like DC's answer maybe to Deadpool Mm. if he was handled correctly. Um, That's something I kind of had an idea for, but, but yeah, poison Ivy is definitely one that I, I would love. Maybe baby doll dying. (laughs) Yeah. Be a good one. So in your opinion, is is poison Ivy a villain or a hero? (gasps) Hmm. Answer this carefully, because you'll get fucking attacked on Twitter for this. Oh my god, the <laughs> Ivy, the <laughs> Ivy League. Like yeah. They mean well, but they're very intense. <laughs> we can edit this. <laughs> we're not, Gosh. we're not kidding either. Holy shit. Okay, I don't want to get caught in any kind of like controversy over this. <laughs> <laughs> Is Poison Ivy a villain? Watch your fucking steps, Blake. <laughs> I think she. Next question. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think she, <laughs> she she is, but she doesn't mean to be. And I think if you can write a story where she redeems herself, I think that's what they love is when Ivy rides the line. I think that's the yeah. best kind of Ivy yeah. story. The cocaine line, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think make a great story in the comics for her. Uh, I don't know how much video games uh, you guys do these days, but her story in Arkham Knight would be something very cool in uh, in comics. Cool. Ah. Mm. Yeah, the uh, voice actress is awesome that did her that too. Yeah, Tasia. Yeah, she was on the show before. Hmm. She she does such a great Ivy. Yeah. Like, didn't I see a? Uh, you were, I know you don't do this often anymore, but you were cosplaying and someone did a cover of you or something. Yeah, I've seen that. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't call it, I don't call it cosplaying. I casplay. It's like my casual cosplay okay. because there's women who do it professionally and they're incredible. Or you know, everybody right. who, who gets into that, they they're just incredible. But mine are, you know, like Halloween type costumes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But yeah, I do love to get dressed up sometimes, and I've done a poison ivy. Yeah, and a couple of fun characters. I just I like to do that at Halloween just to for fun. Yeah. It seemed like you enjoyed it. I didn't know what cosplay was. I thank you for uh lady explaining that to me. Man, I've <laughs> learned so many new words today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. I didn't know that. Uh, because it's current, I wanted to ask you a little bit about Everglade Angels. Um, now, this is I, I say this a lot about books, particularly when it's the beginning of a series. I like when I open up a book and when reading the first issue... I can feel like I'm watching like the opening 20 minutes of a film and that that story and and the way it's told it it gave me that feeling like it it feels like you're watching uh, the, the plot of a, of a film being set up. Right. Um well that's intentional because uh you know the way we wrote that was uh, we wanted to have a very cinematic feel to it. It's actually being, uh, you know, we've been talking to a couple of producers about potentially translating that to a screenplay for for film or TV rights or something. Um, so that's exciting. It's it's always good to have your own uh, creations and to be able to work in your own kind of sandbox of characters, which I always enjoy. Um, but I also have something coming up, which I wanted to tell you about, which is a new cyberpunk universe that I have developed for Heavy Metal Magazine, mm. which is called Synapse. And that'll be dropping actually next uh, on August 19th. And it'll be appearing in their number 300 all-star issue. So I'm really excited about this because it's kind of being um, developed into like part of their universe, which is really neat. They're going to de- be uh, expanding into podcasts. So, yeah, so they're going to have a a separate story that's a spinoff of the story that I'm doing um, with Giuseppe Caffaro, which is an Italian artist, and he is just Mm. absolutely breathtaking artwork. And, yeah, so I'm really excited for that to come out, too. So is that, like, episodic podcast? Uh, Yeah, so I don't know if you guys know, it's more like a dramatic reading. I don't know if you've ever heard, like the BBC does these really amazing readings of books. So my favorite that I've heard is Neil Gaiman's uh, Neverwhere. And they had a full cast, including like James McAvoy, uh, Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones was in it, Benedict Cumberbatch, and uh, Anthony Head from, uh, he plays uh, Giles in Buffy. And he was also in uh, Repo. Yes, so it was so cool to hear. It's got like sound effects and music. Wow. Uh, they do a great job. So I've heard a few samples from them and it's like nothing I've ever heard before. And I'm really, really super excited for it to come out. So that's rad. Yeah. This just cool. gave me an idea. We should do this for these issues. Like we'll have Blake and Sean come back and we'll do a reading and they can choose which character they want. I think Sean wants to do, uh, you know, you know, which he wants to be the villain. <laughs> Blake can be Catwoman. <laughs> oh, like they would act it out. Yeah, we and, 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 and Tom's yeah. gonna be Dan DeDio. <laughs> I was gonna say, just have the Dio, just have it like the Dio. So, yeah, exterior shot. Batman drives up with Catwoman in the Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Blake, you you met Dan, right? You know that he sounds yeah. exactly like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great. And, yeah. 
and as I always feel uh, compelled to mention that when we imitate Dan, we do it with love. You know, we, we've yes. we've always liked we Dan. Love Dan. Yeah, as in, when, I, when I imitate him, I do it out of hatred. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do everything out of hatred. That's true, yeah. Hate, hate, My whole career is like a fuck you to whoever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dan, and I clicked, Dan and I got along really well. Uh, like the, when he left, I've been texting with him and just checking in, and I really do hope he makes a comeback of some kind because I think he was an asset, and I don't see why he's so divisive. I thought it's a tough job like who who could do that job well for 20 years or whatever how long he was doing it you know so yeah i, I always felt that his job is one of those jobs that there are certain decisions that you have to make whether it's you know because the higher ups you know the, the parent company whatever are telling yeah. you what you have to do or you're just out of necessity you have to make these calls and yeah. no matter who is in the position at the time they were going to have to make those calls yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was good. We met him. He was good to Blake, and he helped me with White Knight. Like, yeah, I got, I got no beef at all, you know. Yeah. yeah so he... Nightwing's alive, and Dan is gone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's where he went wrong with me. <laughs> with Nightwing. Sorry, Dan. Well, I thought it was yeah. more than just Nightwing. I thought it was a, a bunch of characters he always wanted, uh, like to. He, he canceled before cancel culture became a thing. He canceled Nightwing. <laughs> Uh, uh, like yeah, scenes, apparently. Isn't Nightwing slowly starting to come back though? He's been getting fucked up like for yeah, years Dick now. Is on the way back. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Was what I forget what uh, what arc or what storyline he's going to come back into. Uh, well, yeah. he's he's a part. Back, of, he's a part of uh, Joker War. So I I think by the okay, end of Joker right. War, we're going to have uh, full fledged Nightwing back. Hmm. Yeah, see, I told you he was going to come back eventually. All you guys bitching about nothing. Jesus Christ, get him. <laughs> Blake, how did you get the uh, the uh, heavy metal gig? How did I get heavy metal? Um, no, they, they contacted me because they'd seen some of my writing and they had an opportunity for uh, this all-star issue. Yeah. And they were talking about uh, wanting this, like, kind of kind of like a return to like really cool like heavy metal used to be with a little bit more uh out of the box i guess and you know coming back to rock and roll and kind of sexy stuff so yeah yeah, i I am excited it's gonna be really cool it's like a cyberpunk universe so yeah when i remember buying that as a kid and i i hid it under my bed because i guess i I wasn't supposed to have it i i was catholic little kid with guilt so i hid everything from my parents (laughs) and i i always thought like i feel like every story the, the editors must tell every writer, we need to have nudity, like, period. We, at some point, you can draw all the lasers you want, but at some point, some guy or girl's got to get naked. Yeah. It's, just, it's just a matter of what we, this is what we do here. Is that still the case? Or, like, what, when they, how did, how did they tell you, like, did you pitch them what you wanted to do? Did they say, that sounds good, but we need nudity? I mean, yeah. Okay. They did not say that they need nudity at all. Oh, that's silly. But they were very open to like all of the creative ideas we had because, uh, you know, I pitched it with um, Giuseppe because we talked about, uh, you know, we, we went in kind of as like a, a team. We were going to work on it together. And um, yeah, there is one panel of semi nudity <laughs> but that was kind of organic to the story so it's not like yeah. it's not gratuitous or anything but hmm. right. it does make sense for the story seems like right. they know who to pick yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh. is that the who's who is that the laird or uh the other ninja turtle guy does he still own that or who owns heavy metal right now um i don't even know i know, I know grant morrison is the editor-in-chief though Oh, is he? he? I think mm-hmm. he used to be. I don't think he is anymore. It was a couple uh, of years ago. Oh, Matt, okay. 
Yeah, Matt Medney is who I've been uh, mostly chatting with, and so uh, much work I could, couldn't keep up with it. <laughs> that, that, that's that's who I want to have a podcast is Grant Morrison uh, to oh, do a podcast yeah. with Billy Connolly, and we'll we throw need some cocaine too. then. Yeah. <laughs> mushrooms sure, boy, sure you ever had a mushrooms boy? <laughs> Drops acid before we do it. <laughs> Okay, uh, I I know that uh, this wasn't uh, meant to be the uh, exactly the main topic of, of conversation here, but I did because by the time this comes out, it's going to be right at the end of the funding window. I did want to talk a little bit about uh, plot holes, your Indiegogo campaign, Sean. Oh yeah, sure, Blake. Uh, I, do you, do yeah, you mind? Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I didn't know we, were... we could do this. Yeah, sure. <laughs> of course. So. Uh, Yes, Waffles, right it's now, a thing that's we're, we're coming. Yeah, we're we're coming towards the end of the funding period, and it's gone over great. But uh, this is obviously because it's creator owned. Uh, it it gives you the chance to to play with all of your own toys. Uh, yeah. You know, so you don't have to worry about uh, yeah. what you're allowed to do with with whom and what you can and can't push. But uh, everyone yeah. seems really excited for it. Yeah, you know, I hope so. Um, I feel like uh, I think I said last time that my goal has been do one for them and one for me. And the one for them is Batman, because that's a clear moneymaker. It's when you wave the flag. And then one for me is like the indie movie. So I kind of wanted to return my indie roots and do a book called Plot Holes. Um, and my plan was to do it uh, crowdfunded, then go through, if Image was interested in picking it up after, or I was going to distribute it to my European uh, friends. So yeah, I kind of wanted to work out a new system, uh, a new a new business plan, so to speak, and I would own the IP the whole way. Um, and then COVID hit, and I, I wasn't sure if it was even appropriate to launch an Indiegogo because it's just like the first few days when COVID hit, it's like, what do we do? Is the world out? I mean, is it super tacky if I ask for money for a book, even though, you know, I'm one of the top people in comics? So I, I honestly sort of, I made a YouTube video and I'm like, please tell me what to do. I don't want anyone to get mad at me. I was thinking about crowdfunding. Is that okay? I don't want to get yelled at. And uh, overwhelmingly, people were like, yes, please crowdfund. Why are you wasting our time? Stop being such a coward. So uh, I did. And as uh, the industry has been going through some weird changes, it's I feel like what I've ended up doing is tried to investigate a new way of publishing because I've had to. Um, so shops aren't necessarily able to open in some cases. Getting um, distribution going has been tricky. Uh, shipping to England in in Europe is expensive, and it changes. You know, there's no flights. There's very few flights going that way. So, it's been kind of a big question mark. So, I halfway through the campaign, I'm like, all right, I feel like I need to figure out a new delivery system for this. So, I started researching what to do, and my idea is, and I think this is like what big creators should do from now on during COVID, is if any big creator is listening to this, what I recommend is crowdfund your trophy book. So if you plan on your end game being uh, oversized, deluxe, super nice, six issues contained into one hardcover, do that first. Then split it up and find a publisher to break it up into, into floppies. That way you alleviate the publisher of any responsibility of having to pay you money that they currently don't have. So, you know, I don't know this for sure, but I'm, there are some companies who are like probably miffed by the idea of like, you shouldn't need to crowdfund. We should just pay you. This is how traditional comics work. Well, yeah, but then COVID hit and now things are weird. So I feel like for me, what I'm going to continue to do is this, this, this system I designed where 
kickstart your trophy book. You um, break up each chapter into floppies. You find a publisher to handle all of those. And then you figure out if you want to distribute uh, online. I'm sorry, um, uh, in Europe. And the other nice thing is, too, is uh, I can release PDFs for half price and compete with uh, the big guys. So for five issues, I'm only charging 10 bucks, which is like literally half the price that Marvel and DC are charging. Um, I just think that digital should be cheap. I'm not afraid to make it cheap. And I think that we just have no choice but to figure it out this way. And I only thought I would do a handful of units digital, and I sold like over 200 of them just digital. So I feel like people who can't afford it are happy to pay nine ninety nine for this or whatever, you know? So I see everybody making faces. I don't know what's going on back there. The New Yorkers, the New Yorkers, they've got their own little world going on. <laughs> okay. I'm listening. But uh, okay? as, as okay. far as, <laughs> as far as the timing of doing it, uh, I'm glad that you did go forward with it because like personally, what I found it did for me is because when the whole world stopped and I realized, okay, well, Comic cons aren't going to be happening this year. Yeah. So you know, I have you know, each year I have you know X amount of dollars that I you know, would put aside for con trips and and uh, all that stuff. And when that was all stopping and your crowdfund came out, well, that's what I'll do with some of that that yeah. con money that I would use. I'm I'm gonna I'll back yeah. this and then I'll I'll have something to look forward to coming in. Yeah, you know, that's one thing I failed to consider is I, I thought people's spending was shut down, but people are dying for escapism. And if they can't go to their shop, then at least they can contribute to a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo and feel like they're contributing to something creative and get behind the scenes look or feel like they're helping out a book from the ground level, whatever it is. So I, I found that people are going to spend their convention money, whether there are conventions or not. Um, so, yeah, I think I benefit that. Honestly, like if anybody does a crowdfund book right now, it's, it's just a boon honestly with coronavirus sucks like don't get me wrong we've had to find interesting ways around shipping and we still haven't cracked the code on how to get it to england at a decent price you know <laughs> um but yeah i mean i, I took a loss I, I stopped drawing batman so i, I basically took a 50 percent pay cut in order to design this system to try to figure out a new way to get it get it out and um luckily we're still making some kind of profit but uh, i just hope that this is something that the industry can do from now on because i think it's crazy that digital comics cost the same as regular comics and agree um you know i think the trophy edition of books doesn't have to compete with the floppy for the wednesday warrior like i feel like i know we're tied to our traditions but do we really need to be you know so i, I feel like we've been waiting for a, a figure a big figure to step up and try to make a mark and try something different and no one else is doing it so i, I guess i'm the guy so pass or fail this is kind of the way i see it working from now on and you know after this i'll go back to batman and do volume three or whatever <laughs> And then I'll do Plot Holes Volume 2, and I'll probably do the same thing. Use Indiegogo or Kickstarter or whatever. And Yeah, I hope that the people will adapt the model because I think it works. And assuming you're willing to do the, the work and the, uh, the uh, you know, promotion that you need to do and all that. Well, Blake, so, you're also a veteran of, of the you know, crowdfunding comics, especially with like Everglade Angels. How's it? And also you know, a very successful campaign at, at doing the crowdsource funding. What, what's your experience been like with that model? Yeah. Uh, well, when I did my novels, it's a little bit different than um, when you're doing uh, comics, obviously, because the novels have uh, 
a prestige format. They're hard covers and they're really heavy. So like, like Sean was saying, even trying to get them overseas or I have people all around the world who are buying them. Uh, that's always tricky to work out like the, um, the packages and all of that, but I've had nothing, you know, but positive experiences for my crowdfunding. Um, my trilogy of books for Arena Mode did really well, and the same for North Valley Grimoire. And I'm actually going to be releasing the follow-up to that, which is called The Celestial Kill Switch, and it's going to come out later this year. So I'm really excited for that, and I'm, you know, after seeing how well, like, you know, everything happened with Sean's, um, I'm, I'm really hopeful, and I'm excited to do it. I find it's a really good way to interact with also with the customers directly. I like when you have the distribution model where when things go directly to the comic stores or whatever, but being able to like, you know, get these emails from people and they're like, Oh my gosh, Blake sent me this package. And you know, they're, they're <laughs> so excited to be a part of it and to get like, I always make um, the marketing side of it is also something I'm really interested in. So when I did like my book, uh, you know, like the stickers and the packaging and they get this really cool kind of package with like, uh, I had like a, a magic system. So there was like a sticker on it. that was like a warning label mm-hmm. and they just loved that. Like it was so fun to get people, you know, yeah. wanting to share in your excitement. No, you're really good at that stuff, man. I mean, I feel like you've been, you are the whole package by doing this stuff yourself and being a self-starter and being motivated. And I mean, I feel like a lot of creators wait around for the industry to make their books for them. And you're one of the rare people that is a do-it-yourselfer, you know. So I think that that's totally what makes you an asset. So yeah. So, oh, so I want to. I'm curious for both of you is like the the quarantine, you know, pandemic, uh, uh, whatever four or five months we've been in. Like, has that allowed you to get ahead creatively at all? Uh, Blake, Blake, why don't you go first? <laughs> uh, it's weird actually because when the pandemic hit. Uh, I had just finished Catwoman, but then I got offered the heavy metal things and I've been working on my own screenplays, which I can't really talk about, but, and also everything kind of fell into place with um, Everglade Angel. So I've been actually very busy uh, during the pandemic, um, just myself, but I, I don't know, everyone is different. So for me, it's been crazy just trying to deal with the kids and writing. (laughs) It's been very busy. Yeah, anybody with children right now who have to homeschool at the same time, yeah. I, I cannot imagine how sh- how tough that must be. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm I, a four-year-old, so it's, uh, it's, in, it's been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> any other guys have kids? Yeah, uh, I, I have yeah, a, a few. Of us I have do. an eight-year-old. Um, I come from a design background, so it's yeah. definitely challenging to get your work done and also help with homework or just. Yeah. You know, yeah. M- make her a cheese sandwich. At, yeah. at, 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 you know, at, it's like you have to stop your whole world and like make her a grilled cheese. You know. So, yeah. Yeah. Within know. thirty seconds. Yeah. yeah. Where's my food, Dad? You know. But um, yeah. It's. I I think um this whole experience has really helped us kind of assess what's important and um yeah from your perspective I wanted to jump in before. You know, with the whole Kickstarter, I think what people are learning is um, this has created a whole a la carte system where a fan can kind of commit to the level that they want. So like what you said, like with the whole digital, uh, maybe going to a store or -hmm. also maybe getting a deluxe version, you know, people have more liberties with kind of receiving the content. And I, I think that's really important because 
like you said, people overseas who can't get the books, maybe it becomes more affordable. And the day that the content releases, they can yeah. still access that information, you know? So it's become yeah. a whole realm of spending and also receiving this information, you know, to where, yeah. where it's more digestible and it's within your budget, you know, you can make it your own. So, yeah. yeah. It's a good way to look at it, man. Yeah. And, and it gives, it gives opportunities that, uh, Buying in the traditional retail space does not, you know, if a book comes out, you know, say the, a, a creator on like an image book or a, a dark horse book or something comes out, you know, as a as a trade paperback and you you, you buy that and, and you love it and then it does really well in sales. So then they release a deluxe edition hardcover of it and you say, oh, I would love to have that. I already bought the paperback, you know, I spent. 20 25 dollars for that now there's this this nice hardcover that's 55 dollars <laughs> do i do i buy both you know this is why we all have eight copies of dark knight returns but yeah. with uh <laughs> with the way crowdfunding works like uh, the indiegogo uh the plot holes uh yeah. campaign was a great example of that like, okay so we, we have this there's the the trade paperback level, and you know if it, if this does well enough, then we're going to start offering the, this hardcover. And if we get to this stretch goal, we're we're going to make it a deluxe edition hardcover. Yeah. So you get that opportunity to okay, well I I bought in at the trade paperback level, but now you know, the, I I've seen more of what the interior art is like, and you know I'm yeah. I'm more excited about this. So now I I can actually change the level that I, that I bought in at, you know, I can, yeah. I can you yeah. know, upgrade that. And now I, I want that deluxe edition hardcover now and, yeah. and oh, I can get an artist edition with it. And yeah. so it's a, a very cool opportunity to uh, upgrade per, your purchases in a way that you can't in retail space. Right. Yeah, you definitely, when you put a, an order in your pull box, you're kind of stuck with it, whether you like the graphic novel or not, but with Indiegogo or Kickstarter, it's nice. Cause like you're seeing updates, you're seeing the art, you have a chance to pull out anytime you want. So if you're committed to the full 30 or 60 days, then you know you're going to get a product that is at least going to be a, a B plus, you know? So I feel like that's uh, for c customers to feel like they know what they're getting ahead of time. And I'm not charging them double. I'm not doing what some Indiegogo people are doing where you're kind of gouging them for, you know, a floppy or whatever, you know, shilling this for $20 is a collected edition. Like I'm trying to do it straight. I don't want to gouge my readers. I don't want, I want everyone to walk away happy. So, um, yeah, we've kind of gone into this carefully trying to figure out what customers want, trying to take feedback, uh, and tweak things as we can. And uh, yeah, the only thing we really can't fix is, uh, shipping to, to England into <laughs> France, you know, like, sorry. Uh, the best thing we could do there was, uh, sign on with diamond to, um, ship over as, boxes and crates whatever to get it through diamond which which you can do and then diamond assumes the risk and not the shops or not us so i don't know it's stuff that no one really cares about but uh yeah at the very least i thought well if i offer the pdf for 9.99 no one can really complain about that like i'm not denying anybody the right to read the book at a cheap ass price like who the hell is going to complain you know yeah. yeah i hope so i mean i don't know how the customers view these things like i find that i'm out of touch honestly with what customers want sometimes because i don't read as much as a wednesday warrior so when i get to talk to you all it's always interesting learning where your heads are at as far as how things are spun and how comics are coming out you know i have one uh, request for your um your indiegogo you know campaign where you were allowing uh people to be drawn into the book yeah um 
we've got one of our Bat Force members who has taken that upon. <laughs> I want you to draw him with like a big old bald spot, man. Can you do that? For me? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got to send in a photo and sign. He talks a lot of shit about that and brags about it, and I'm like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to talk to Sean tonight. So. <laughs> Maybe give him a gimp leg or something. <laughs> Does he actually have a bald spot? Or are you guys just being asked? No. Okay. No, we're, we're, we're purely being assholes. <laughs> All right. Blake, are any of your, do you currently have any crowdfunds open or have, uh, have yours uh, closed for, uh, for the moment? No, mine are closed right now. Um, I'll be starting up another one for my, like I mentioned, for my novel. That'll be the next one that I do. So uh, I'll make sure to post all of that up on my uh, social media pages. But yeah, it's exciting. I always love doing them. It takes a lot out of you, though, because I end up doing all the fulfillment myself as well. So, uh, yeah, I have to gear myself up for that. But <laughs> it's it's a huge endeavor, but I love it. So I'm excited for my next book to come out. It seems like you must love it because you're good at it. Like your your promotions there, you're always good to customers. People can be as mean as they want. Usually, you'll just nice them to death. <laughs> your your selfie game is is on spot. So yeah, I'm jealous of how good you are at that stuff like if you weren't writing comics i'd hire you to promote my stuff because i can't be bothered ah, that's cool. i have, I have an opportunity there to fall back on another career like it. there you go <laughs> i think i think i've seen you post photos of being in the process of doing your your fulfillment oh, yeah because i do it out of my house and i've actually like hired my was... kids like they want to earn extra money so i'm like all right you're old enough now my i mean my daughter's 13 so uh, she'll be like, I'll take all the stickers and I'll help you, you know, and we're just sitting there at the table for hours, loading them into the book, you know, I'll sign it. She'll throw a sticker in or whatever. And mm. yeah, I bring, do it right out of my house. So have you taught your daughter how to forge your signature so she can sign uh... stuff for you? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've debated teaching my wife and my assistant how to sign my name because it's just a lot of books sometimes. It's a lot. It's exhausting, isn't it? But it's so much fun. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> oh, that natural Canadian positivity. Uh... <laughs> can't get enough of it. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a surly New Yorker. I can't help it. <laughs> like killer uh, cards. I'm fucking surly New Yorker. Were you guys uh, going want... to uh, ask us that awkward question or whatever it was? Yeah, well, I, I want to, uh, I'm going to launch us right now into uh, the lightning round because I did something a little bit different uh for this episode so this morning i asked sean to come up with a lightning round question for blake <laughs> and i also asked blake to come up with a lightning round question for sean oh, oh. Okay. so i got i got questions from blake and you guys and i responded the same way so you might have gotten the same answer i don't know but go ahead shoot okay do i ask him first sure Wh whatever way you guys want rock paper scissors for it uh, honor system your right, weird question is, what fictional <laughs> character did you have a crush on as a child or as a kid? Oh. <laughs> so who's answering, me or everyone here? You. you. I think we should all answer, but I'll go first. Starfire. Uh, I had a weird thing for Rainbow Bright. Uh, Rainbow something I had a some cartoon, I was like six, and I wasn't like, you know, like, hey, how you doing type of thing, but I was like, as a six-year-old, I'm like, oh, she seems pretty nice, and I like her dress or whatever. And, yeah, I was very innocently. I had a minor crush on Rainbow Bright. I think that was my sexual awakening. You have had a lot to drink today. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> I have not had nearly enough. Yet I, 
feel like I'm basically <laughs> on the ball, acting like myself, right? <laughs> yes. Oh All right, who uh, goes next? That's awesome. Oh, who who wants to uh, offer theirs up? Oh, uh, Starfire. I had a like, wild crush on Starfire as a kid. Yeah. Nice. You have good taste, man. Yes. Thank you. Blim. Let's have some whiskey. Who's next? <laughs> Roman? Steve? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, man, I gotta go with um April O'Neil with that yellow jumpsuit. Like, what what's going on underneath that? You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I was at a convention in the green room, and I got uh, celebrity green room status once in uh, Rhode Island. And uh, April O'Neil from nineteen ninety. She came in with her assistant, and I was like at the buffet getting, you know, hard-boiled eggs or whatever. And my spider sense, I was like trying not to stare, but staring. And I'm like, God damn, she looks fantastic! Like she looks, kind of looks the same, right? She looks the same, yeah. And it's okay uh, to, to age out, but I was like, Jesus Christ, like this is amazing. And I, I had to fight my uh, desire to go over there and be like, Hey, this is idea where Joker's the good guy. What? so good in that yellow trench coat that's the token oh, comic book nerd guy you can tell what kind of respect i have usually it's, it's either this way to like a super uh slur but you can find him to be looked this way too <laughs> depends on how much i had to drink obviously i've had zero so i'm totally normal oh god <laughs> all right who's next uh well we know you're uh, not to the point yet of doing your uh rob liefeld so uh we got a ways to go <laughs> Go ahead, Robin. Who's your comic crush? Are we doing comics or what? It was just it it was just uh you know when when you were a child. And honestly, if I had to talk about the first thing that I remember, (laughs) I was probably about five years old. And in retrospect, it seems really weird because it seems like I'm into furries. But uh, I don't, I don't know if this show was on in the U.S. or not. Maybe you're going to say Chikara from Thundercats, aren't you? No, I wasn't, oh, actually. That that, that's that. that's, oh, that's a much cooler one. I should have gone with that. I don't know if this show was on in America or not. I, uh, maybe Blake is the only other person who might remember it. Uh, it was a live-action show with Ben Vereen in it. I wasn't attracted to Ben Vereen. But uh, it was called Zoopily Zoo. Yeah, it was so all it was all of these actors. So picture like cats, but like (laughs) a really budget TV version. So all of these people were in animal costumes. (laughs) Like you know, like singing and dancing kids' songs. And there was this uh this girl that was uh, dressed as some kind of pink cat or something. And I, I was probably like five years oh, old, but man. I was like, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> but I should have yeah, gone with that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> 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 oh man. Oh man. So Blake, Blake does not remember that. Is that? Blake? No, I don't remember that. I don't. It, it was like so ni- it had to be like 1985. What was this called again? Zoobly Zoo. Zoobly Zoo. I remember yeah. Fraggle Rock. I don't oh, remember Fraggle. Zoo. Fraggle. Fraggle as well. <laughs> All right, who, who's next? 
grab wow. stuff in. <laughs> I was gonna say Chitara. Um, if we're if we're gonna go, you know, like the comic cartoon route. I mean, yeah. I do remember also having a crush on Elvira as a young kid. But I mean, she's more like you know, TV. Yeah, I get line, man. Yeah. Yeah, and but... that's like still now. Like that's still uh, Charles. Still. Uh, she yeah. was at a, again. She was at another convention, and uh, she was dressed normally. And I was like, God damn, she's like nice and fit, and so not pleasant and great to her customers. And yeah, she's she's amazing. Yeah. I wasn't even an Elvira fan, but uh, after that, I was. She's great. <laughs> Sorry, she I'm not going to interject. To be in character at their conventions. Yeah. So her parents' fees are just. Yeah, I know. I mean, she she has to wear that wig. She can't even walk outside. She needs a cab to take her for a motel. And it's not because she's uh, high maintenance. It's just legit what it takes to keep that costume uh, up in parallel right. in order to get to the show. She just can't cross the street in a gusty day, you know? <laughs> right, uh, does anyone else want to throw in an answer on that question before, on, we, uh, before we get to Blake's answer? I want to know Blake's answer really yeah. bad. Mine was probably my crush uh, around the, the, my first crush I can remember was probably Indiana Jones. Oh. I had a thing for Harrison Ford. I think that's it was a from. Yeah, that's a good choice. <laughs> I think from most like, men here are like, that was my first male crush. Snakes. <laughs> <laughs> that or Hunter. Like, yeah, me too. <laughs> Something about the whip, you know, is just like, he's easy. Dorky easy. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, everyone. She's allowed to say this. It's okay. All right. <laughs> Be careful. Uh, Harrison Ford will sign your photo on the darkest part so you can't see his signature. Uh, someone someone here does a really good Harrison Ford impression, if I remember correctly. Uh, snakes. <laughs> like someone asked him well, someone asked him about some Star Wars question about like um is is Princess Leia actually force sensitive? Like you would know better than anyone. And he was like, "Who gives a shit?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he's doing lat later year. I don't give a shit. I only wear gray t-shirts and Blade Runner version. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Ford. Uh, did you did you answer by the way, Bad Force Tom? No. I. What was the? Probably guess. you pro had a crush on Gidget, Gidget from Chip and Dale. <laughs> Bestiality, <laughs> Jesus! No, no judgment. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Spin that, Tacha. How did you know? <laughs> Damn it! If I could remember back, probably like Rogue from X Men because of the sh the uh, the cartoon. Oh yeah, probably like the axes. Did, did it have anything to do with the fact that she had to wear gloves and couldn't touch you? <laughs> yeah, that does make her. But the girl that can't touch you, like literally, it's like that does make it more of a tease. Like, God damn it, she's so hard to get. Literally, yeah. if I got her, it would kill me. It really taps into my vegetable. social anxiety and agoraphobia. Yeah, I had a crush on her when Jim Lee drew her. There was an issue where she was hanging out with Gambit, and I was like, Man, Gambit's awesome. He's got Rogue. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's that's why everybody liked Gambit. <laughs> it wasn't the hot pink. Uh, it, it's sort of like the uh, the blueprint to being a rock star, right? Like in, back in the '80s, anyway, and like the uh, in the hair metal days, the the blueprint was make the girls want you, and then the guys will want to be you. Totally. Yeah. yeah. By dressing like poison. 
Yeah, <laughs> by, by using like more more hair products than the actual girls. Maybe that's why poison ivy is so uh, desired too, because she also would kill you if you touched her or whatever. True. Right. Blake, do you have any comment on this? You Blake, please chime in on this. Please straighten us out. <laughs> no, I think there's something to be said for that, and uh, it's the mystique, right? Um, you always yeah. want what you can't have, kind of mentality. So yep. yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Blake is like, you're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm canceling all of you. Uh, I, I, I want to take a moment to commend all of us for not once having called you Balake yet. Oh, we, yeah. Uh, we haven't done the Key and Peel joke. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Blake. But um, so that was that, uh, that was Sean's question, right? No, that, that was Blake's uh, question. Yes. That was Balake's question. Now we'll get to Scene's question. <laughs> Scenes. <laughs> well, I had the same one because Blake asked me mine, and that's what I said because I thought this was going to be a roundtable discussion. I was like, this would be a fun topic, which clearly yeah, that, it was, but I don't one. have my own answer. Yeah, that that was what you texted me, so I, I thought that that was your question to her, and I oh. figured she, there was a second question. But... All right, so we need we need another one then, right? Uh, well, if you don't have to come up with anything on the spot, uh, do we want to roll through some of the typical lightning round questions for for Blake here? Like, I want to know what's your go-to karaoke song. Oh my gosh, it's Brian Adams' "Summer of '69." Yeah, can't do Brian Adams. Fine. What? <laughs> it would have to be a Canadian, wouldn't it? It'd have to be a Canadian. You know, can I tell you something? I've only done, I've only sung karaoke one time in my life because I'm a terrible singer, and that was the song that I got to do. And they play it, I guess, a lot on the radio here because Canadian, but. Yeah, I love that song. It is a great song. It's yeah. a great song. Take off, eh? <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I don't know if this joke made sense to anyone in the U.S., but what was it, a month or two ago, there was that SpaceX launch, and I couldn't help but noticing every headline that was, you know, saying Godspeed to these two astronauts that were that were, you know, going up in the shuttle. There were all these headlines, you know, about, you know, you, we're we're with you, Godspeed to you, and the the astronauts' names were Bob and Doug. So I kept seeing <laughs> headlines that said Godspeed, Bob and Doug. Like what? What are you Moranis yeah. guy? Why, why hey, are you hosers? Bob and Doug. <laughs> Yeah, a, a Bob and Doug sounds like something I do with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Tuesday night. I came up with a good uh, question to ask Blake, actually. Um, oh, boy. If you had a million dollars and you could hire any artist to draw any book that you were going to write, who would you hire? And awesome. what book would, would it be? I hate it's this question. Oh, sorry. You don't have to there's so many good artists that nope, I admire one. for different reasons, you know? Nope. No, because you're only picking one, and that means all the others you hate. Sorry. <laughs> you can't do it. There's too many good right ones. Answer. I love so many different artists for different reasons. Um, this is so hard. Well, obviously, I love working with Sean, and he's an oh, incredible stop. artist. Oh, stop. Okay, come on. Get get to the real answer. You want to no. hire Adam Hughes. We all know it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I love Adam Hughes as well. He's <laughs> so good. Every There's so many good artists. I can't answer that. Uh, because he's not here, I'm going to tell uh, an artist-related story because uh, Charles is not here with us tonight. 
Uh, so, you know, I can get away with telling this story without him around. So uh, <laughs> a year or so ago, maybe it was like two years ago now, uh, we had Clay Mann on the show for the first time. And there was a point where Clay started talking about how art is, his art is hard for him. Like he feels that he struggles to to draw more than what he sees other artists do, like when he's at a convention or something, how it, it seems in his mind that these other artists are just effortlessly creating this beautiful stuff. Whereas when he's creating his, like he feels like he's erasing and fixing and erasing and fixing. And he thinks like he was the only one doing that. So we ended up uh, just on this conversation where we were all throwing out particular pieces of his that looked to us like effortless beauty. Right. And when it came to Charles, he started to, uh, okay, so, well, there was this Batman cover that you did that I really liked. It, it was Batman and Catwoman were, were on a rooftop, and they were looking down, and the perspective was like the camera was looking up at them while they were looking down over the city. And Clay cuts him off to say, you would be describing an Olivier Coipel cover. Embarrassing. <laughs> 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 Well, it was one of my favorite moments oh, ever. That's good. Uh-huh. Tell him to stop drawing like Olivier. No, I'm kidding. I'm friends with both those guys. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny that he knew the exact piece too. Yeah. Well, it's Must funny that he recalled it when he came back with Tom King when he on the surprise episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still Clay is shit on that. Yeah. Clay Who's is very jackass? shy. Clay is shy. For him to fire back that quickly, you knew that he had had this question before. <laughs> And his, his... what surprised me the most is what Clay pitched for that second time, like when Tom was coming back on the show, because mm-hmm. Clay texted me and said, hey, what, uh, when are you recording with Tom? Like, uh, I think uh, the usual, like Saturday at 930 kind of thing. Yeah. And he goes, OK, I want to come on, but I want to be on <laughs> as one of you guys. <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> Well, okay. Well, this is really out of character, but awesome. Yeah, yeah. Let's fucking do it. What What do you want to do? Okay. Well, I don't want him to know it's me. Like, okay. Well, you're gonna have to change your Skype name then, because if he happens to look at the people on the call, he's gonna say your name, and whatever you're doing is over before it starts. Yeah. So he goes, okay. I'm gonna change it right now. Refresh it until you see it change, and let me know if you can still say it's me. And my favorite part about this was that if you don't use a profile picture on Skype, it just uses your initials as your profile picture. Mm. So his profile picture was just CM. So, you know, I'm refreshing, waiting for for Clay's name to change to something else on the screen. And uh, it changes to, you know, his his pseudonym. And I look at the pseudonym and it's Crosby, Montana. So first (laughs) of all, it's just a crazy name. (laughs) <laughs> and second of all, it's still the same initials. Uh, it's still CM is, is still his, his profile picture. Like, okay, well, it, and that works. You know, he, he, he won't know it's you and you know, whatever you want to do is going to work. So the, the day comes and you know, Clay is on the call uh, just as we add Tom. And we, be, we begin the episode. I introduce Clay as, you know, as Crosby, as if he's one of us. <laughs> and we still at this point don't know what his what his idea was and he proceeds to troll the shit out of tom everything he says he said oh why did you throw clayman under the bus with that poison ivy cover and oh miller's not that good and just tore him apart and it it was so awkwardly mean like i'm texting clay while we're talking like oh man this is this is so bad he's gonna hate us he's never gonna come back on again 
And eventually Clay has his fill and says, okay, well, you, you can tell him now if you want. And then, <laughs> oh, my God. That is so hilarious. I, that sounds it, it so was, funny. It was one of my favorite things ever. And as soon as I get to reveal, like, okay, I'm allowed to reveal this now. Tom, the, this wasn't real attitude. You know, we, we, we don't hate you. This was Clay Man all along. And Tom goes, I knew it was you because you didn't change your voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. Right. It was also, the same fucking voice. <laughs> Yeah, well, as a guy who used to work for the CIA, I guess, would know that. <laughs> so yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh but my gosh, yeah, that's it, hilarious. It, it worked. He, uh, he was being so nice too. Like he, yeah. he, like he was literally shitting on him, and Tom was just <laughs> literally shitting on him. And Tom was like, "Oh, I, yeah, I mean, you guys, you know, it's your opinion, man, and you get to have it. It's, <laughs> you know, I respect it. You're a reader and fan. Thanks for Leave checking on. it out. Oh my god. Have Sounds you like... done another podcast with Tom since then? I think so, right? Uh, that was like a year. Uh, year. Shortly after he's been back on since then, but uh, he and Clay are supposed to come back for uh, for the Batcat book, so we'll right. we'll get to revisit that. And I, uh, I if they I, don't get canceled first, yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> sounds like he has a great sense of humor, Clay. That sounds yeah. funny. Oh, so yeah, dry, he, so dry. Yeah, he's, 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 yeah, he's great. I love Clay. That's and awesome. then after after he uh, after he came back after he revealed who he was, he. Um, Tom, because he actually asked, "Who is the best? Uh, who is the best artist in comics right now?" And he goes, "I think, I think I have to say Clay Man." And he said that, not really knowing if it was really Clay or not. And then after he was like, he was like, "Oh yeah," and he goes, "I told you you were the best artist in comics." <laughs> and he's like, well, "Why did you give the first two pages of the last book away to a different artist then?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, he, he kept uh, giving it to Jorge, him. Jorge had done a couple pages, so yeah, he really let him have it about that too. Jesus, um, I don't get on Clay's bad side. He was like, <laughs> Tom was like, Tom was like, didn't you get the script? I emailed you the script. He's like, yeah, I got to the first page. It said, oh look, another artist. So I stopped reading it. Oh, <laughs> and, and, and you don't, you don't reply to my texts anyway. <laughs> it, they were Ooh. literally having a fight on our podcast. It was fucking hilarious. <laughs> yes, <laughs> nice. It's good that you we, guys we would never do that to you, We would never do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Sean, try not to like pretend to be someone else and then ambush me because I'll yeah. be like, what the heck? We definitely wouldn't, would. Yeah, we wouldn't do it on the first time you guys are on the okay. podcast. Yeah. The third no, that's time. not actually. That's not actually Blake. That's actually Scott Snyder doing a Canadian <laughs> yeah. professional age. Surprise. <laughs> For an hour and a half, that's fucking great. He put that yeah, on. He's, he's he's a what's it called when you're a me- he's method. <laughs> Shit, yeah. With the boots and everything. <laughs> the boots. <laughs> Blake, what's your favorite type of M and M? Do you have peanut, regular, almond, peanut butter? You got to include peanut butter. Uh, mint. Caramel. Mint. I yeah, had really. at that big M M&M and M store. There you go. In Times Square, I had a mint one, and it was freaking the bomb. That exists. Oh, Street. Yeah, it was good. Okay, I guess we'll let that one go. Okay. But Blake, when you pick a when you're going out for the night, do you pick like a quiet, nice restaurant or someplace that's loud and has more action? Hooters. Quiet. 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 Yeah. yeah. Me too. <laughs> you think I'm a crazy party animal, don't you? I know you I do. I don't. <laughs> Yes, you well, do. I know that you 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 flirt with that persona online, but I know in real life you're not, because you and I both like the same quiet places and quiet diners. We sit in the corners. I mean, we were yeah. hanging out a lot, like three days straight. We pretty much liked the same things. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that's what I'm like. I'm pretty down to earth. I'm <laughs> I got a good one for Blake. Yeah. Disney World or Disneyland? 
Oh my god. I'm a huge Disney freak. I just went to Disneyland for the first time in my whole life last year. And it was amazing. But I tend to go to Disney World because uh, I've been going for the past couple of years with my kids and I'm just turning into a crazy Disney nut. Yeah, I have a great time there. And I love Disney World, I think, because there's, you know, you get to see Epcot and, um, you know, I just did Animal Kingdom for the first time this year. So, yeah, I'm a huge Disney. Is the Mar-a-Lago? Mar-a-Lago? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> If Blake, if if uh, who's the most overrated Disney princess? Oh gosh, uh, wow. overrated. Oh, this, this is gonna get some hate. Yeah. Oh no, you know I thought it would be an easy answer. I did. There's a lot of them. First of all, I can just tell you which one I like the best. My favorite yeah. is Belle because Beauty and the Beast was always my favorite Disney movie, mm-hmm. and I just love yeah. her the best. So Munchausen syndrome. Yeah. You said earlier, no stuck in a book, which is literally a line from uh, Beauty and the Beast. So exactly. That's my wife's favorite as well. Is it? Love, yeah. yeah. Gaston, Gaston's a great villain, too, because he makes fun of people for reading. Oh, gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I Crazy think, uh, old Maurice, huh? Yes. I think according, <laughs> to my, according to my wife, I think Snow White is the most overrated. She's a big Belle fan, but she doesn't like Snow White because she's yeah. not, like, liberated. So yeah, how's she well, not liberated? Uh, because she relies on like these seven old men. <laughs> her, you know? So she hates her with a passion. Yeah, seven old my, my four year old daughter sleeps with Ariel every night, so you're okay <laughs> with me. Yeah. Yeah. It was close, but you survived. Well, Ariel's half fish, so you're like half yeah. bestiality if you're hooking up with Ariel. <laughs> But it's only the bottom half. Uh, dude, by the way, guess what? You know what I just learned? Ariel is 16, bro. Oh. oh. That's yeah. true. Well, that just got weird. Blake, so are you like a Disney parks freak or like a Disney freak in general? Um, Right now, it's more the parks. And yeah. my right. kids have kind of outgrown the, the movies a little bit. So when they were younger, I was watching a lot more of them. Um, but I also like uh, Universal Studios. I got into the whole um, going there for a couple of years, which was really fun. The rides there are incredible. But yeah, the Disney parks, I guess, are what I really enjoy. I just love Disney. <laughs> it's fun. It's they, they know how to uh, they know how to like uh, capture some that essence. And uh, I mean, you feel like you're like to say this in a positive way. I don't know if it's a positive way, but you feel like you're a member of a cult. Like and and they. Yeah. They respect you and like you're 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 meant to be there, you know. So I can understand why people like being members of cults because it's like this place is always there. It's warm. It's inviting. Everything's familiar. Everyone's so friendly and like nice, you know. And always you get COVID. <laughs> you get COVID. Yeah. <laughs> well, gosh, hopefully not. Yeah, they well, just opened up yes. Disney World. So. Yeah. yeah. Florida's hot. It's crazy. Yeah. I I love that uh, Scott used to work at Disney. Oh, right. I don't know. I don't remember which it was. Scott Snyder. He was like uh, one of those guys. Like he was in like the Prince Charming suit or something like that. Really? Buzz Lightyear. Kids. Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> he was. Yeah. He was. He Buzz was a character actor in the. Because my wife is the same thing. My wife played Ariel. Uh, oh wow. For a bit. In yeah. Florida. In Florida. Yeah. She was a photographer, and they needed. She fit the role, and they needed her in a pinch, so she did it. And Scott told her this over dinner. He's like, oh, my God, I was Prince Charming or whatever. 
Because you had to have the right height. You couldn't be too yeah. tall or too short. You had to be like a rock set, basically, you know? And, and yeah. the the way I guess it works, uh, like the, the path that Scott went through is you like graduate up through different levels of characters. <laughs> you know, you get to be more prominent characters. He he right. started out like being a, a dwarf. Please <laughs> 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 keep that in. Of course. That's for sure. <laughs> I haven't been to Disney World yet. I'm, I'm waiting to sell my Murphyverse books to, oh. <laughs> <laughs> to fund the trip. I gotta, I gotta wait another 15 years. Yeah. Right after you sell those uh, Death of Superman issues for the big books. <laughs> yeah, right. Man. Yeah. I have a. I have a short stack that I was thinking about selling. I got like first appearance at Deadpool, and I'm like, do I do if I do a sketch on this? Does it is it worth more? Because it's from like my personal collection or whatever. Like I don't know how the rules work because I've never drawn Deadpool officially, so I don't know if that would just hurt the value or what. Well, I mean, I, I can tell you, it, it would either result in Rob Liefeld praising you or blocking you. <laughs> well, yeah. he, he would be so mad at you. <laughs> Why? Yeah, it's a, a just remark, selling right? a. Yeah, remarking a book and selling it, and what if I gave it to charity? You couldn't be mad at that, right? Dude, I'm not going to give it to charity. <laughs> that was so huge. If you like, it's your it's your book from your collection, yeah. and you're doing a remark on it. That would totally sell. Okay, on I eBay. Or, yeah. All right. Good to know, guys. There's there's <laughs> like there's those there's collectors out there who like they would be more willing to get that because you haven't done this is like your only Deadpool work. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's it's your Deadpool on your Deadpool book, so it's like, yeah, yeah you, it's pretty pretty rare. Well, so I did a, a three Star Wars pieces uh, once, thinking this will sell. It's my people plus Star Wars fans, and I had a hard time selling those. Like my people are into Batman and sometimes Cars. They're not into Star Wars. Really? I found that I had yeah, I did not have the overlap that I thought I did. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, so I don't know. What it is. So there's certain places that I, I, crazy. Like I, I think you should yeah. try to get, you know, maybe the timing is off. Did you have yeah. Jeff with you at the time? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't you blaming him for why it didn't sell. No, I'm saying like, it's, just in, it's interesting that people wouldn't bite. It's like, yeah, I've done, uh, I did, uh, a, a, Jeff has. I did like two nude pieces once just as character studies. And those, those sold so fast. Cause I don't, tend to draw that stuff and these pervy guys from france love mm -hmm. that shit you know mm -hmm. and i have pervy i mean they're big supporters of mine so i probably shouldn't call them that but it is what it is <laughs> yeah so if i it's ever get cancer and have a year to live you're gonna start seeing me draw a bunch of like straight up comic book <laughs> porn and dudes. selling it <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting uh what crossovers you can do because i think that uh, robocop piece that you did uh oh, pretty yeah. well I, I had to pick one of those well, up for for Tom when you were in Detroit. Yeah, dude, oh. I needed that one. That was start seeing rainbow brights and yeah, the, <laughs> the, the and yeah, rainbow bright chitara gadget bro, team up bro, finally. <laughs> gadget. Hey Sean, I did want to ask: uh, Is it weird for you, or is it? Is it? <laughs> I just, love where this is going. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> okay, I, I'm just gonna say this. You know, the White Knight verse. Yep. Has spawned so much, you know, quick turnaround with merchandise and action figures. I, I know we talked about that before, but they just hit a new wave with the uh, six-inch action figures from McFarland, mm -hmm. and usually those don't come out for like years after a, a book run or something like that. And yours are like hitting like a year after that title. 
Yeah, he he told me that he was making this deal with DC that wasn't announced yet, and he wanted to launch big with White Knight. And I'm like, I'm flattered. Like, yeah. put me in a put me in a time machine, go back to 1991, tell tell my 11 year olds this is amazing. Um, and yeah, he's like he's like, well, I really like you to do some uh, Spawn. I don't do very good Todd impression. <laughs> and uh, he's oh, like, I, I really don't know, like to Spawn. I mean, do some Spawn. <laughs> why not? What's wrong so with Spawn? When he said that I'm thinking about doing figures, I thought that he was like uh, trying to tease the possibility of action figures if I agreed to do Spawn. And I'd love to do Spawn, but I was swamped. And I, even if I wanted to, I, I couldn't. And uh, I know Todd. I don't know him well enough to know if he would like, like pretend to do figures. But then two days later, I get screenshots of actual figures. So uh, I guess I was the asshole for doubting him. <laughs> wow. That's yeah, fucking crazy. I couldn't believe how quick they turned around. Just yeah. so you know, when they first announced, when, 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 ah, you know, Todd started showing pictures of all his toys that he's doing with the Batman. Finally, we're getting Batman, we're getting Catwoman, we're getting, we're finally getting yeah. a joke. Oh, get it, me, what are you talking about? I love doing this stuff. I've been wanting to for years, obviously. So when they first started doing the Batman stuff, I remember, okay, this is going to be pretty cool, right? But then, like, the first wave came out, and, um, you know, I wasn't that impressed, to be honest. I was like, okay, they look kind of cool, like, $20 figures, all right, they don't look bad. But then when yours came out, your wave, they're the best ones so far, easily. Dude, so, that, that Asriel especially, like, I've never seen an Asriel figure that looks so good. Yeah. Just the way that they render because I, I rendered a bunch of gobbledygook on his belt. Like, it's just a bunch of scratches and fingerprints. Like, I, I purposefully leave it nebulous. And the sculptor went in, and he's like, no, this is a cross crucifix. This is a belt. This is a dagger. And, like, the amount of sense he made out of my my, my crazy line work, it's just insane. Yeah. Like... Sean, yeah, that's that's, Sean, that's the one I the opened fucking, up first. The the nerds love it, like the action figure reviewers. Yeah, love these figures. Oh, I'm glad. In particular, Azrael. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Azrael, I thought he was a bigger deal than he was. Like I said last time, like I thought I, when when the big reaction I got to Azrael with most people was like, "Who's Azrael? He's been kind of off the table for a while." And like I'm sure Blake remembers too, like reading that stuff in the '90s or whatever. Like Azrael was all over the place, so I thought when I did it, this would be a cr crowd pleaser. But a lot of people were like, "Yeah, that guy. I don't know." So yeah, I'm really glad that people dig the figures, though. Yeah, they. Uh, I, I think it's just a mix of maybe like the sculpting that they did plus your style just meshed really well. But right. it's it's per the two the two kind of styles kind of combined perfectly because, like, they even came out with some of the other they announced pictures like. Um, some of the um like the grim knight or there's a couple other ones but metal. i was like yeah. the metal stuff and it was like okay yeah. it looks all right but your stuff is like Spot by on. far so far yeah. has been the best that's yeah, great that man awesome. yeah i know yeah. i actually i heard i don't know if blake's allowed to talk about this but i know that she's working on an action figure for snowflame it's actually made out <laughs> of cocaine <laughs> oh really? Wow. Blake, are you allowed to are you allowed to talk about that, Blake? No, I'm not allowed to talk about that. I'm That's a top this. secret. Don't do not try to smell this figure when you open. Yes. Yeah. It's just, not like a scratch and sniff. You just blew the door off of the, the whole smuggling ring she was trying to get going, dude. I know. Like the Colombian cartel is suddenly buying a lot of uh, McFarland toys of oh. the Snowflame in particular. But I can't wait to get the Blake. Northcott Catwoman from the White Knight universe when that story gets written and then yeah. the thing gets. I heard it's happening. See what I'm saying here? This is where I'm leading up to. Yeah. Very, very subtle. Good job. Subtle. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm glad that we did get that iteration of Azrael and it was received so well and, you know, got this great figure because it. 
it looked for a long time like a lot of people were looking for an avenue for Azrael. Like I, I know of a couple other artists who had been looking for a way to work him into something. Um, yeah. A few years ago, uh, Dave Finch had been in the comic shop I work. Like he's Dave's one of our locals, and yeah. he had come in and he just randomly picked up uh, a set of sort of Azrael, like Azrael's first appearance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, oh, "You planning to to do some research with that?" And he said, "Maybe." <laughs> and I said, "Like you know, slot." Like so, I I feel like a few people had been trying to find an avenue to do something with him. Yeah, I and mean, it's been usually you have like twenty year delay windows. So like, I was a huge Spider Man two ninety nine fan, and I was twenty years later. I'm now the age where I could push that book to get drawn perhaps and then of course they they did it anyway but usually you find like every 20 years the stuff that you loved as a kid well now you're old enough to buy that for your kid so you start to see spikes happen every 20 years and with Azrael, i knew we were approaching that 20 year mark because it was like 1995 so 2005 to 15 so i knew like all right someone's probably gonna pounce on Azrael soon it's time for him to be reinvented by somebody that loved it as a kid like me so that's why i was so happy to snag him before anyone else did um, and like I said, I checked first and they were shooting him into space. So I'm like, all right, well, you guys seem to, you don't seem to have a plan. So that works out <laughs> just, and I, I, you know, the, the ego in me really wanted people to say like, man, this is the best Azrael story in 20 years. Cause no one's really done a proper homage to him. Even though I took a lot of liberties and changed a few things, I really hoped to win over that Azrael hardcore fan. Um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I'm glad the figure turned out too as uh, well as turned out well as well yeah sorry i'm losing my voice <laughs> if uh if you ever speak to todd again about expanding the line i would love to see azrael in the bat suit as a figure that would yeah. be as bad yeah yeah i imagine like, if that uh, sell todd's gonna want to come back and do a harley version uh oh, for from, sure yeah maybe the book oh. my wife is doing um the asbat suit and uh well, what do i did was basically what mike mainly designed back in the 90s too so no, I mean, are you kidding me? I would love to, especially it hardly sells like hotcakes, so I'd love to do it. Is that oh, a yeah, Mike Manning yeah. impression? You know, you, you, know, you, you, you got to do Batmobiles, too, you know? Every figure comes with a piece of the Batmobile. You know, you put them all together, you know, for the big boy, you know? You can Batmobile, you know? Uh, you know? I, hope, I hope that... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure... Blake feels this way too. I hope I don't have a particular way of speaking that's easy to ape like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I hope I don't have any ticks that you guys can pounce on. You're like tough. That. You're tough, just like uh, Snyder's tough. Okay. Yeah. I say yeah. uh, a lot, and I lose track of what I say sometimes. And sometimes I tweet dumb things. So have fun. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> you know, if if Todd could do a um a White Knight Batmobile too, that would be insane. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's all. I, that's what I said to to XM Studios. Like, I don't know if you guys do diecast, but I don't know if you could make this happen as well. But because I keep pushing it at DC, and the, they, you know, they want inexpensive, low risk toys that they can sell. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure at some point they'll get around to it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's really my end goal is when I can get a uh, 118 scale version of my Batmobile with like moving parts and all that. That's when I'll have yeah. made it. Quote unquote. <laughs> Blake, if you had a figure or statue made of any of your stuff what would you like it to be oh goodness uh something cool from my uh north valley grimoire book for sure because there's like magic in that so they have 
a bunch of really neat sigils, which are like magical symbols that are on uh, their guns. Oh, cool. And instead of shooting bullets, that shoots like magic out of, you know, the gun. Yeah. So I think that would be really cool to make something like that. Nice. Um, I don't know. I don't know a lot about about the figures and all of that. So yeah, <laughs> but that sounds really neat. I like the idea though of having yeah, like the uh, the White Knight uh, Batmobile or something. That'd be cool. Do you do you collect uh, Funko Pops or anything like that? Yeah, I have a lot of Funko Pops. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't tell if like my guess is with Blake, if you have very little nerd things around your house or. <laughs> Actually, in the process Some. right now of redoing my uh, office, which okay. so I'm thinking in the next month, I'm ac- I've had a bunch of fans actually say, "Oh, I'd love to see you know like what kind of comics you have and books and funky like yeah, yeah go pops and stuff like that." So I'll do like a tour. You know, how you did a tour of your house and your space. Yeah, I'll probably do that and showcase like you know what nice. my office looks like. Yeah, I'd love to see stuff. it. I have a lot of nerd stuff, so <laughs> there's a lot to show off. Do you have like your own, well, I assume you work at your home. Yes. But you have like your own little private office and that kind of have things that get you in the in the mood to write. Yes. So mostly it's a lot of books. I have a ton of books around me all the time. It makes me feel homey. Like I'm in a library. Like I said before, I'm kind of a dork. So <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of books, like not just, you know, uh, novels and fiction, but like how to write um how-to manuals and like a ton of graphic novels comics i have like just lots of paper around me all the time that's awesome. i have to imagine that you know and sean you probably know this too writers and artists probably spend more time researching than actually making the story is that <laughs> do you find that to be true or do you, do you just go off in your own you know world yeah. and, and create something yeah, I don't know. Well, for me, because I draw it too, I'd say probably not, because the drawing is super labor intensive. Um, but if I was just writing, um, I don't know. Blake, do you do more yeah. more hour for hour research than writing? How does that work out? Uh, I do a lot of research. I <laughs> especially if I'm coming up with, uh, let's say, so the first book in a new series, uh, like with my North Valley Grimoire series, I was kind of switching to a different genre where I was getting into magic and I was kind of getting out of superheroes more into magic. So I had to develop like a whole system of how is this magic going to work and how is this going to make sense for the universe I'm creating? Um, And now like for something when I'm doing something like with DC for Catwoman, I was researching a ton all the way back to the very first uh, appearance of her. You know, I wanted to get Mm -hmm. a bunch of different perspectives from all the different writers who have Mm -hmm written her over the years and so yeah research for me is a kind of a big part Mm. of what I do but I enjoy that also I really like to dig into all of that so for me it's not like a chore I just I love it so in Catwoman um Blake created a a two new characters one is a a giant panther or is it jaguar Blake I forget uh you said he was a melanastic jaguar right jaguar yeah that was called yeah I forget, but yeah, that sounds yeah. like me. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one is a giant coca, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, and, uh, the, the jaguar is also a cokehead. <laughs> well, actually, and, uh, like, go ahead. Yeah, we uh, came up with a, another kind of villain that was going to be sort of 
maybe like a nemesis to um, uh, Catwoman. And it's a, this uh, character called Tambra Quartz. <laughs> and she was so much fun. And she's like the incarnation of an evil Instagram influencer who's kind of gone mad. <laughs> mm. I see that every day. I wanted something a little bit more uh, grounded in like reality and you know what we see every day so writing villains is like the best thing ever you have this lunatic who is jealous of catwoman it was yeah. just so fun it's tough because when you have a comic you're really limited with your real estate mm -hmm. and you can only do so much dialogue you know when you want to have extended conversations and such yeah. but i think her verbal sparring matches with catwoman uh they really turned out very well so i'm super yeah. excited for people to be introduced to tambra court yeah that's one of your your uh best abilities as a writer is to get sharp cutting dialogue usually between two women who don't like each other <laughs> i find that's when you really shine <laughs> yeah i mean i love dialogue uh but you know i learned a lot in this uh being doing these issues and i think that sean you were really like instrumental in teaching me you know a little bit about um you know pacing we were talking about the opening scenes and everything and uh you know i i think you're a really great teacher so oh, thanks i, I lot of what you said to heart and put that yeah. into the script and i, I think it's weird because like I, I feel weird i felt i think i felt out of my element because i'm not a trained writer i'm not like a real writer i i know that i did white knight but i honestly and this isn't me looking for uh you know a pat on the back but I, I generally don't think of myself as a traditional writer like you are so when i talk to writers like you i just assume like you know you're working in a library you've been reading you've been reading way more books than me you have more experience writing the publishing and i'm kind of like uh just the guy that sort of busted his way in the last few years. So for me to tell you or any writer what they should do to me, I feel like it's not my place. So I sort of wanted to give you kind of what I thought. And then if you wanted to overrule yeah. me and do something else, that's cool too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think you're in a unique position as well because uh, artists who are able to be the artist and the writer on a book. I feel yeah. like you have a di different level of being able to conceptualize what is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, being just a writer, I can't, you know, I can't envision it like because I can't draw it the way you mm. can. So yeah. that's frustrating. So to hear, you know, your ideas about where to take the action scenes or those beats, yeah. uh, that was helpful for me. So yeah, no, I learned a lot. And with two issues too, I mean, it's, it's yeah. barely, barely enough to, I mean, you, you have a, a very, very short story and it's not even, you can't even get into like a proper three X structure structure with two issues. So, yeah. uh, yeah, we I'd had love to see more you ideas back. for, for expanding it, but you know, we got two, which is still great and I'm excited, yeah. About, but yeah, there is only so much you can do in two, but yeah. Yeah. Sean, did, was, did was there any compliment a Canadian? It's hard to compliment a Canadian. Yeah, it's, no, it's torture. No, Blake's uh, a sweetheart. Was, I feel like I've known her forever, actually. Yeah, uh, Blake. Was there any particular uh, influence or inspiration for including uh, a jaguar character into the story? Uh, well, when Sean and I had first, uh, you know, brainstormed ideas, that was something that we both felt like we wanted to just have. I think I forget what we were talking about. Maybe we were talking about like. Crocodile Dundee or something? What were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, I forget. It did come up. I, I, so I, my, in my head, I thought, let's get Catwoman back to her roots. Yeah. And get, and get entwined with an actual jaguar. And she's in the jungle. She's getting away from Gotham and Bruce Wayne and the drama. And she wants to just like remember what it's actually like to be a cat. And right. she's there to steal a diamond, of course, which is her mo. But along the way, she finds another cause 
and she ends right. up um, making decisions differently. And uh, the cat affects her. And so does the cat's childlike uh, companion, this little girl who's wearing, right. uh, she's like kind of a cat girl fan. Is that a mm-hmm. right way to say it, Blake? Yeah. So you have Catwoman with like a literal cat, and then you have her with a child who's a girl. So you have her in like this motherly role. And I thought there was a lot to chew on right there. Um, I'd love to have seen it expanded into like six issues because I think we only got to scratch the surface. But that was why I threw Jaguar at you, just because I thought it would be a cool departure from what we normally see. Um, I think the editor actually said, what if she goes to an island or something like that? So that was Jessica, our editor's idea. So that, that was helpful. Yep. What did you name the jaguar? I forget. What was the jaguar's name? Kissin, which means god of death. Okay. That's what you came across in your research, I'm guessing? Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Is the Kissin a literal jaguar, or is it a ghost or a spirit, or are you not allowed to say? Well, I think that between what we ended up writing and how the art was kind of influenced, we ended up deciding that it became kind of more of like a mythological right. um, creature of the island. That's cool, yeah. Yeah, which I really liked how that turned out. And yeah. I think, you know, it was a, uh, yeah, it was super fun to write. And I think that everything worked out really well and came together. I'm super, right. like, I'm just so excited and proud of it. And I'm really <laughs> thrilled and I can't wait for people to read it and to get feedback and hear what everyone thinks. Yeah, me too. Especially during COVID, like I'm not even sure what sales are right now. Yeah. What's even fair to gauge? Like, what does buzz in comics even mean right now when so many shops aren't open? So, right. Yeah. <clears throat> I actually just went to my local shop for like the first time in three months, and yeah, you know, it was it was interesting. Uh, there weren't as many people there that yeah um, normally see, but I also kind of went at a a later times too. But, yeah. Um, Right. Yeah, they seem to be open like, where it's I lucky live. So. That we sort because my book ended the last strong Wednesday, normal Wednesday we had was the final issue of Curse. Um, so my numbers dipped a little bit because people were starting to wig out about the virus, and then we skipped you know four months now. And luckily Blake's book is coming out just as we're kind of trying to open up at least. So I hope I hope it's a, a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I, asked, I actually wanted to say uh, piggyback on what Sean said. Right when the virus hit, um, my local comic shop delivered the last issue of uh, Curse of the White Knight to everyone's doorstep. So I was like, I felt so fortunate to have like a physical copy because I know the week before you were kind of prepping for everyone to kind of potentially getting on on digital. But I think that like just made the cusp, you know, and the fact that I got the last issue, I felt really great that, you know, I can kind of the series. Yeah, you know, I'm not uh, sure. I don't know how well it sold at the final issue because it got dinged by the COVID stuff. And um, I've heard people tell me that because I think Walking Dead was coming out too and I might have beat out Walking Dead, but no one had strong numbers that, you know, yeah. it's like, so I've been, I was telling DC like, please don't judge me for these numbers. Like judge me against all the other numbers. Even with Blake's book, I'd say to DC like, you know, I don't know what the new scale is for success during COVID, but you've got to take that yeah. into consideration. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, no book is going to be a knockout right now. It's just the way it is. So hopefully they can see the writing on the wall with, uh, with Blake's talent, you know? Exactly. Oh, thank you. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm excited. I just hope that people <laughs> get to read it. Yeah. Well, we will, uh, everyone will have the chance to read it as of uh, 
July 15th. Uh, probably by the time you're hearing this, it is uh, going to be now Wednesday, and it will be in shops. Get out and pick it up. Let Blake and Sean know uh, what you think of it. Make sure you're following Blake on Instagram, Twitter. Where else are you? Facebook and, yeah. And YouTube. Oh, yeah, YouTube. Oh, yeah. Very nice cool. guys. Well, thanks again for having us. I appreciate uh, the support as always. Thank you so much. This is always thank fun. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank, thank you guys you. so much. Thank it you. was so we great. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, it was a pleasure, guys. Hey, we well, want you to know that we appreciate you and totally support you guys. Oh, I appreciate Aww. it. Thank that you means so a lot. much. Yeah, it's this a, was such a wonderful introduction to. Great job. Uh, great job. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice. Not to get all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that does it. I think uh, we let uh, Blake go to bed now. Awesome. And uh, Sean go back to lifting weights. And, yeah. uh... <laughs> I think I, guys, I think I think I'm sober now. Can we record? Oh, nice. <laughs> Everything was just like, a drink. Hey, Gotham dwellers, make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.